surface lies a dark world behind your safe little havens that you all call home beneath the surface there's an evil that festers and grows where the american dream goes dark this is the literary license podcast america goes dark episode you're a book to screen show where we head down a dark alley and discover the books the films and all the darkness in between with your co-host leandro gazi Craig Johnson, David Grant, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago. Things may look perfect on the outside, but what really goes on behind closed doors? Welcome to season six of the Literary License Podcast as we start our new book screens, which we are dealing with America Goes Dark, and we'll be dealing with Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which was published in 1960, and the classic film from 1962. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Leandro with us. Hello, Leandro. Hi, everyone. How are you? Hey, Hey, we got Craig Johnson with us. Hello, Craig. Hello, everyone from East Finchley. <laughs> Leandro's now celebrating his second year with us, and this is Craig's first year with us. So, hey. and hey. David Grant. And they live to tell the tale. They're not lived yet. <laughs> Hello from East Finchley, also. Finchley yeah, it's David, and it's David's one year anniversary today. It is, and I feel one year younger already. That's gone. You look one year younger. <laughs> And of course, we got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hi, guys. Hello. Celebrating her sixth year with us. <laughs> and this is Vicky's 262nd episode with us. Yay. And I am your host, Kay Shago, and I've been here from day one. So before yes, we get started, yeah. let's find out what we've been up to. Let's start off with you, Leandro. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you way back in season five? 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if, uh, but I, I went with two friends to London. I went to see a Lady Gaga show. Was amazing. Really, really good. What'd you go uh, see? Gonna have been uh well this week that has gone doing a course for work um uh, they pull respond and now i'm deaf i can hear water in my ear oh is that what the deal is <laughs> um then i have been doing i finished a, a course that i was doing about astrology and i passed so i'm glad that is um, so cool i didn't know you were doing that yeah well cool. i have been working even though summer holidays um and we're back to normality next week. And um, with the allotment, all the things growing good. Um, yeah, Ooh. that was awesome. And I have a driving lesson today, went really good. Hey. Excellent. What about you, Craig? What have you been up to? Um, well, I've been showing uh, an art exhibition at the um, Lauderdale Ooh. House Annual Photography. Been watching from afar over here. Very <laughs> happy what we're seeing. So happy for you. Me and me and David have got work on display, and my mom. Um, yeah. After the, the judges picked some some of our artwork to show, the theme's freedom, and it's on at Lauderdale House at Waterloo Park, and it's open um, ten till six Monday to Friday. Yeah, and there's there's a cafe there with refreshments as well. And water and uh, Waterloo Park's lovely place. Isn't it? Yeah, it's right it's next really to nice the, as a pond yeah. fountain. Very yeah. nice. That's like, so good to hear. Everybody's doing so good. Yay. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to the Lord of the Rings TV show that I've really Oh, watched. I started watching it. I'm two episodes in. Right. Okay. I'm sold. I watched one episode of House of the Dragon, is it? Is it yeah. It? Oh, I'm uh, just looking Don't go on the first one. It starts. Wait till you watch the second one. Yeah. And I'm sold on that too. I'm going to give it a shot. I don't care how they screwed us over on Game of Thrones. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Maybe they learned their lesson this time. <laughs> and what about yourself, David? What have you been up to? Yeah, as like Sir Craig was saying, we're, we're doing this joint thing at the Lauderdale House. And we had the, where well, we met you the other night. And we had a nice evening and looking at the photographs. And we met the, what was the mayor from Camden? Oh, right? yeah, the Camden mayor. <laughs> the Camden. Oh, wow, everybody turned out. Yeah, so it was yeah. pretty cool. Like, you know, I was trying to play the piano upstairs because, but somebody had locked the flipping, uh, the, you know, the keypad. So mm. that was a bit annoying. Like, but there's a, it's a beautiful house, loaded in a house. I it like was, to find it. It, more it was my little brother's first art exhibition oh, yeah. that he's been to. <laughs> so, yeah, he loved it. But the, just like, it, we were laughing because, like, how does a, an 11 year old yeah, keep, um, entertained. Keep, <laughs> keep entertained by putting pamphlets on his head and walking around the block to see if it balanced on his head? <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to join him. I yeah. think that sounded a bit more fun. <laughs> I actually got I actually got in trouble at the exhibition. Wow. What did you touch? I, <laughs> no, I didn't. It's not that I touched anything because all, all the photo stuff was downstairs and it was amazing. Yeah. Everyone, all, it was all really, really good. And then you go yeah. upstairs and there's all these oil paintings. And I had Ahmed with me up, uh, from Morocco because he was, you know, he's there on video, video calling. So we got there and I, yeah. and I was showing him the art. I go, oh, these are really ugly. And the woman behind me goes, I painted those. I'm sorry. You know what? That, that's sort of like saying, you know, when are you due? I'm not pregnant. You know, it's just kind of yeah. one of those moments. Uh, I just went, sorry. And I just like walked away, like slinked yeah. away. I was like, mm, well. <laughs> Well, it's called constructive. Criticism. But you shouldn't be sorry. It's just your, it's, it's your opinion. Maybe someone passes. Oh, that was amazing. And 
Yeah. Like, it just, it just, what, I mean, I don't want to be rude about the art, no. but I will be. But um, <laughs> it's, it's just that, do you remember those times, you remember like at Christmas time, like when you were growing up and you got those paint by numbers with a little oil set and like number yeah, one. Yeah, those like, things were awful. All the ones. But, but that's what the paintings kind of look like. Yeah, <laughs> but they're paint by numbers. <laughs> Mine used to come like out all lumpy and they looked like shit, basically. I couldn't do nothing, none of that. Even with the paint by numbers, I sucked. I, <laughs> I, I, I did it. Yeah. I couldn't even color in a coloring book. It's like, I'm just like, I don't have the patience for it. <laughs> but there was always that one person, the friend or a student, yeah. and they colored. And it, it did such a good job at it. Ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I got the same fucking crayons. Why doesn't mine look like that? <laughs> and if you went over the line, I'll be yes. You went up the line. It was like, right, that's it. I'm giving up art forever. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he was right. The upstairs exhibition, they were okay, but they were like kind of Van Gogh. Well, not very. More like Van Gogh out the door. <laughs> yeah. Keeps right. He said the right. Thing. More, more like, yeah. more like, not Van Gogh, but Van Stop, please. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I guess there's a, it's kind of something we find in a little old lady's home. But saying that the photo, but the thing is the photography downstairs was excellent. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. I think a lot of it was really cool. The black and white, like we talked to Vicky before about like, she's a big black and white. I um, love black and white photography. It's more interesting, I think, you know, and Craig's mum's pictures are brilliant. And yeah. Really Really, my fa my favorite was the sheep. I love that one. That yeah. was taken the sheep in more in Cornwall. Yeah, they I got... love the field pictures and stuff that you took. The that, sheep, yeah. I saw that too. That was really yeah. nice. I love stuff like that though. But it doesn't well, really need too much of an overstatement. It's just well, the know, field picture, stuff. the field picture that you're talking about is the one that Craig did. The one with the people bicycling mm -hmm. through the wheat field. That's oh, that was yeah. great, man. That's really good. Yeah. And they didn't I like that one. That's really yeah. nice. David, and I like David's David's picture. The hand picture was fantastic. Oh, as well. yeah, thank you. Our, yeah. No, yeah, I really, I really mean that. I know it's, it's actually a very good My photo. I was just trying to. It, it was just cool. Was that lighting or? Yeah. yeah. No, it's just a, just a, just a random shot. You know, just thought I was covered in plaster. You know, and I was thinking, oh god, I'm getting a bit fed up and I was getting bored, bored of myself. And I thought, you know, when Craig said the theme was like freedom, I thought, yeah, freedom from responsibility. Because I'm getting fed up sometimes of, you know, we're only human. We don't like to do the same thing over and over. No. I guess routine stabilizes you. But, um, you know, all I wanted to be doing that day was like playing guitar. <laughs> you know, I didn't <laughs> want to be working. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there you go. Thanks, I'm Keith. like that every day at work. Yeah, I'd rather be doing something else. I know that's right. I'd rather be somewhere else instead, you know. But um, I think it's uh, it's good. Like you know, if you get you've got something to get up for. What somebody once said, it was like, um, uh, if you can't give somebody something to love or someone to love, then give them um a, a reason to sort of see why that is. And if you can't show them that, just give them something to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Legit. I had to sit there and say though, what what the winners that won. Mm. I I agreed with like one of them. I didn't agree with all of them. Yeah. But but I did have to sit there. I remember um Ethan Pounder was there, which he'll be doing some of the shows with us later on in the year. Yeah. Um he was standing next to me and they're like giving their thank you. And I said, I, I turned to him, I go, are all these people fucking orphans? I go, no one even thanked their mother for giving them birth. <laughs> 
<laughs> and the woman behind me just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we definitely brought a little bit of sort of like madness to the place because they all seem a bit jaded, you know. You're right, you know. Mm. That guy didn't even give a speech. You know, he won what was his second prize or yeah. runner up or something. Well, they weren't there. They seemed to be two, not yeah, the two of them weren't there. Yeah, two of them weren't there. One had his one had his good looking son show up. So maybe <laughs> so thought, okay. Well, at least we got some. Eye. Maybe that I got, was least probably got, better. Well, it gave us some. It gave us some eye candy from eye candy the straight, from the gay and straight the straight girl point of view. So like, oh, he was good looking. Yeah, mom said he's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Jim Morrison to come in and accept the award, you know, and something like that. You know, thanks everyone. It's been fabulous. Yeah. But it was a good evening. I mean, I I mean, I found out that Camden had a mayor. I didn't know that Camden had a mayor. So now I'm wondering, like, who's my mayor where I live? (laughs) Do we have a mayor? Don't y'all vote over there? (laughs) Well, we vote, but I mean, I'm not sure how the mayor. I don't know. Well, no, but the thing is, I don't know how the mayor. I don't know how the mayor thing works because when a prime minister, we don't vote for the prime minister here. Who is your? Who's running the place? No one at the. We find out on Monday. Yeah, we find out Monday. Yeah, yeah find oh, out. You're gonna find out Monday. Yeah, but I mean, what you do here is it's Good not luck, like the guys. states. Hopefully, you'll do better than us. <laughs> well, I think it's gonna be the same, but um, but the thing is, is that it's not like in it's not like in America where you vote for the president. We right. vote for the party, and the party dictates who's going to oh, lead the country. Oh, right. no That's kidding! Funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, yeah. I did not know that. Interesting. You know, which I basically don't kind of like that because there's sometimes that I like certain people like in government, but I don't right. necessarily like the leader or yeah, vice versa. So at the moment, I don't like any of them. So it doesn't, no, I'm just voting for who I hate the least at the moment. <laughs> oh, I hate all of them. Which do I hate the least? But um, it doesn't matter my who, vitriol who, who, knows no bounds today. So I understand completely. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I mean, with my patients, for instance, when you talk about if politics do come up and they right. go you know oh i hate boris johnson or i hate you know whoever and i go can you name me one good mp and they're like no <laughs> so that's that's the problem that's the problem it so, is it's a, it's a real problem so, for all of us when you can't find when you can't find anyone you like in the government whatsoever or uh, trust like, yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, to be honest, we do have a bit of an archaic system because we do have the House of Lords, which I don't agree with. Because basically, if you're born, if you come out of the right snatch, you can become part of the House of Lords. And that kind of bothers me a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of like that over here now, though, too. So he who yeah. has the money, who has the gold makes the rules. So basically, if you're a product of incest, you can be in the House of Lords. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's probably a few of them in there that are products of incest. <laughs> So, oh yeah, if you keep marrying into the same social class, and that's all you do. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's not it's not long until you start dating the second cousin because you're all related eventually. So. We just need to start a side a side cast. Things you want to bitch about. I mean, that's, that's what, <laughs> the I mean, that's you what the, bitch about. Well, that's what the that's what the royal family had to do before because um, if you ever watched the Madness of King Hen- uh, King George, the great movie. Four, third yes what that was what was that about because they were so inbred they had this incestuous yeah. disease that they were yeah. actually they were actually urinating blue urine mm. because of it yeah. that's how they be, and that's how they I become look that up. that's something i'm going to look up now because i hate there's it a, there's a really good movie there's a really good movie about it actually it came out like in the late 80s early 90s the madness of king george the third yeah i i think i have seen that yeah. And it's a true story, so it's very good. Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. And so basically after Victoria came along, they decided, well, we need to freshen up the blood. So that's why our German, that's why our royal family's German now. So. so I would have thought that Queen Princess Sophie would have been mixing it up a little bit warm enough, but. Well, I mean, I I, I would say the biggest mix She's a beautiful now, woman. Well, I would sit there and say the biggest mix up at the moment that, that's probably been good for the royal family is with the, the death of Princess Di, which gave her sons they can marry anyone they chose to now. Right. And if, if, if Princess oh, died- obviously did, one of them did, and we would like for you to take her back anytime but, now. We don't want but her. What I'm, but what I'm saying is if Princess <laughs> died did not, if Princess died didn't die, if Princess died didn't die, die. But if she didn't die, then what would happen is that they would have to have arranged marriages. But because of yeah. her death, if it went now they no longer have to arrange marriages. So now they're getting- commoners to come into the you definitely pole, got like one commoner they want her to run for office over here you're going to see a mushroom flow from across the pond <laughs> if she gets into any office over here we got enough problems without having her around. well she <laughs> like, no. the, she's been she's been part of our news for a little while at the moment because yeah. she actually did this interview that basically is just full of salacious lying oh so. her podcast is supposed to be number two I don't know anybody in the world of podcasting or anywhere on any of my social platforms that even heard of it. Um, the thing is, though, if you want to get number one in your podcasting, it's very easy if you want to pay for bots. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. that's true. That is true. But it is what it is. So, Vix, what have you been up to? Not as much as you guys have been up to, that's for sure. <laughs> it's been really kind of tame here because it's been so hot. I've just been trying to get my garden still. That's what I've been doing. And I kind of stick to myself a lot these days because it's just a really kind of messed up society we're, we're kind of dealing with over here right now. So I've been choosing the company of canines to that of human beings <laughs> because <laughs> at least I know where I stand with my dogs. Yes. But, uh, other than that, I've been trying. There's a lot of good stuff that's come out, though, as of late, like House of Dragon and the feud about, you know, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. And um, what was it? Rings of Power. And I went to go see Dragon Ball Z with my grandson last night. He really, it was the, the new one. It was really cool because my other kids, when they were young, they're, they're adults and stuff now, but I used to watch Dragon Ball Z all the time. So mm -hmm. we really enjoyed that. But pretty much hanging out with Asher today. It's a long weekend for everybody. But I just I kind of like keep to myself lately and just do what I do. And this I got things that I do and on the side, but I don't really broadcast everything about my life. <laughs> I mean, probably wouldn't have any viewers if I did. <laughs> Maybe half half of them would be mad. So now we did we just kind of chilling. It's it's September, Halloween season's here. I got Joe's uh, list I can go through now. I wait for Joe's list for the last three years. Joe, so, so see what movies I need to watch because he always comes, he does all the work. So I got all these good movies I can watch that I haven't heard of or I have heard of, you know, so it, it's pretty cool. But mm. Not a whole lot has been pretty dang for me. What about you, Keith? Um, well, I bought my sister a house, so I've done that this Ooh. week. Yeah. Um, what about the friend? I still owe, would you, I would not only will you do that, would you pay the rest of my student loans off? <laughs> um, I had a job interview for a job in Dubai, which I got. 
um, on Friday. Can't wait to hear what's going to happen with that. Um, I've got three weeks to decide. I'm, I'm measuring the pros and cons. I have problems with their human rights issues there. I so, think um, some. I'm really scared for some of my friends. Which problem do you have that there's none? Ooh. I'd be kind of scared for you. <laughs> I really, what's really am. Yeah, what's, what's the job entail, Keith? <laughs> um, medical consultancy, uh, becoming a medical consultancy in forensic psychiatry. It's wow. probably well, good paid job. I mean. It's good pay. It's it's a two it's a two year um, tenure. Yeah, it's a two year. Um, unfortunately, it will affect my pension, which means I could be less a thousand pounds a month in my pension. You know why? Why do they do that? Um, yeah. Because I won't be paying into the NHS pension if I because yeah. if Didn't I stay, roll it over. No, it doesn't work that way. If I if I stay if I stay if I stay with the NHS for three years, that means I'll get two thousand pounds a month in my pension, which I, that means I can retire in three years and get two thousand pounds a month. Great, um, but if I do leave, that means my pension will only be a thousand pounds a month. That's bullshit. Um, it's just it's <laughs> I, 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 I'm I'm on the old NHS pension scheme because I I started the NHS in 1989. So that I'm so they that don't scheme. allow you to upgrade your life or anything. See, Scott's on that same tired teachers pension here in Texas, and they yeah. are not good to the teachers here. Well, the thing is, the pension scheme is very very good for NHS. It's one of the best pension schemes you can have. NHS so I got, stands for what? I always keep asking. National Health Service. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. So I, you know, I got, I got, I got three weeks to decide. Yeah. Um, I, I've been looking at flats to move to as well. So I've been looking at that. So my life's in a bit of reflux at the moment. Well, change um, is good sometimes, sweetie. Yeah. And I had a relationship that fell apart yesterday. So I'm sorting that through. Though we're now talking again. So who knows what that's going to turn out to be? But it is what it is. So, but besides that, everything's fine. <laughs> I want you to go, Keith. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobody I mean, hurts my buddy. Only I can hurt him. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a trying week. But you it know, has been, it's been a between my sister time. saying that I'm only good for money and that, that I better leave her in my will, otherwise, I might as well just kill myself now. So that was wonderful. But and, and, and if I had known, I could have. And my phosphate's turning against me. It's been a fantastic. I would have abused week. the friendship a lot longer. <laughs> but uh besides that i mean everything I, I mean i'm i've sorted through a lot so it's it, it's it's been a, it's okay. been a crazy week for you so got it. yeah but it's it's okay i was you know you survived it's always so. good you look good but, today you look like you landed back yeah I don't look as red-eyed and teary-eyed as i've been <laughs> the last couple of days so but um <laughs> but yeah it's, things are you know things are fine i'm getting i'm, I'm just sort of i got i got i mean the thing is i i'm doing better than most people is because i have options so True, true. That's good though, but you know what? Change is always good. It's sometimes it's painful, but sometimes it's good. Yeah. Fans and a fan sent me a T-shirt today, so that was even better. What does it say? What does it do? What does it got? Um, it is a. Well, let me just see if I can. Take blur of my background off. There we go. All right, there you go. Well, that came in today from a fan. I like it when people send me stuff every so often. Okay, hold on, um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Have all of us seen that episode? <laughs> I, I, I've seen most of them, but I don't know if I saw that one. Sideshow Bob is always trying to get bought. Yeah, that, well, that's the best one. When he tries yeah, to keep on asking me if, if he can perform an opera play, that took like half an hour. 
Oh, it's classic. Uh, you know, The Simpsons is genius, man. It really genius, is. Genius, and they're always, like, predicting shit. It's kind yeah, of scary. That's weird. No, I mean, this, if I want to know what's going to happen over here, yeah. it's time to put on The Simpsons. Oh, <laughs> just watch uh, Matt Goering, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said we're going to log on, you see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a goofball. <laughs> <laughs> and our listeners cannot see what I'm enduring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately for our users, um, David just did a video pun, which you'll never see. <laughs> he just see. showed me his he just showed me his big log. <laughs> well, what it was, it was a giant redwood came in the room and said, Oh, the joy of it. Said, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, some people do anything to and get it me. takes two hands to hold on to this one. Let me it tell does. you. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big chocolate log. Mom, anyway. David's wrecking the furniture. Yeah, hey, I'm wrecking the house <laughs> <laughs> again. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs>
and the telephone conversation she occasionally has with her doctor and attorney realize that Jane is becoming increasingly unstable. She calls her lawyer and tells him that she is planning to sell the house. Jane, who eavesdrops on her sister's calls, believes that Blanche intends to have her committed to a mental hospital. Blanche becomes aware of her sister's sinister mood swings and tries to explain her decision, but Jane simply ignores her. Soon, Jane begins to exhibit signs of insanity. She removes the phone from Blanche's room while making her afraid to eat by serving Blanche's dead pet bird on a salad and later a large rat from the cellar. In a drunken daze, Jane also decides to resurrect her old baby Jane Stajak, reasoning that Fanny Bryce has success with baby Snooks, so she could have success resurrecting baby Jane. She hires a musical accompanist, Edwin Flagg, through a Help Wanted ad. As reality topples crazily into eerie fantasy, Jane begins to abuse her sister with monstrous cruelty while embezzling her money to buy liquor and finance her comeback. Edna becomes uneasy when she is unable to reach Blanche on the phone and Jane refuses to let her clean her sister's room. Opening the door to find Blanche tied to the bed with her mouth taped shut, she tries to help, but Jane sneaks up and kills Edna with a hammer. That night, Jane dumps the body. A day or two later, police officers come questioning Jane about Edna's disappearance. Jane panics, grabs her barely conscious sister, and heads for the location of some of her happiest childhood memories, the beach, where she and her father used to practice her song and dance routine while crowds of onlookers watched. Jane plays in the sand while Blanche lies weak and on the verge of death from starvation and abuse. Realizing that she may be dying, Blanche reveals to Jane that it was actually she, not Jane, who was responsible for paralyzing her. After Jane humiliated Blanche at a party years earlier, her sister tried to run her over before Jane got out of the way. The car then slammed into a metal gate, snapping Blanche's spine. She managed to crawl out of the car to the gates, while Jane, frightened and drunk, hid inside the house where she passed out. When the police arrived, they assumed that Jane had been driving. Blanche later realized that the event had driven her sister insane with guilt, but refused to allow her to seek psychiatric help for fear that Jane might recover enough to remember what really happened and Jane would leave her. Realizing that all the years of hatred and resentment between sisters could have been avoided, Jane forgives Blanche. Jane calls the police and tells them that her sister is very sick. Outside the phone booth, three officers recognize her and gently take Jane back to the beach. They start to question her and ask her where her sister is. At first, Jane vaguely tells them where to find Blanche, leading them down the beach. She then becomes confused and ignores their questions. Upon mentioning her name, Miss Hudson, Jane is taken back to her vaudeville days and she begins to dance very prettily despite the police imploring her to tell them where Blanche is. The novel ends with Jane dancing and does not reveal if Blanche survives or not. And that was the synopsis for Whatever Happened to Baby Jane by Henry Farrell.
Welcome back to Literalist's podcast. We're discussing whatever happened to Baby Jane, the novel from 1960 by Henry Farrell. And starting with you, Leandro Beatna, we'll start with Craig. Craig, what's your thoughts of the novel? <laughs> it's a um, hard one. Yeah. Uh, it was an easy pace <laughs> to get through. It was. Um, but I, I definitely struggled with this book out of all the books that we've yeah. uh, st- reviewed. Um, I can't exp- I was I've read it I've gone through it yeah but, but didn't absorb it the substance just it, I, there was nothing gripping me <laughs> it was me. kind of one of those fume over the yeah, head kind of deals sometimes yeah. yeah I don't know if I was preoccupied or I just couldn't I just couldn't connect with it um, mm. but I, I think mean, it's because I think it might be because of the style that it's written because yeah. 1950s and 1960s novels have a distinct way of being written um, we did that yeah. when we covered Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House is like that The Bad Seed is like that as well and for me it's a little bit easier because I've read I've, I've, doing the show we've done a lot of I mean, we've done stuff from the 13th century the all the way stuff, up. Yeah. And so I've got so I've got to the thing where I've been reading, a, even though I normally would be stuck into modern literature, but because of the show, I've learned, I've actually opened myself up to all this other stuff. So, that, so these things are becoming a little bit easier. But I remember like first mm-hmm. touching base and we're going to be touching like, we're going to be doing a couple of these things from the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. To Kill yeah. a Mockingbird was yeah. one of them that we'll be covering oh, this year. Um, whatever Happened to Cousin Charlotte, which we'll do next month, which is the movie yeah. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. I still have um, What are we doing next month? It's um, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte's in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. It's the second yeah. half of that. Well, I got it. I've been, yes. I, sometimes I go to the historical archives because if I can't find a book, they've got every movie and everybookarchive.org. It's like one of the best websites everybody out there. It's great. You can find anything well, you, on it. If you buy the book or buy the Kindle version of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, the um, the, 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 the short story, Whatever Happened to um, Cousin Charlotte, is a short story, and that's in the book. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so you get two for the price of one, which is the reason why we like to save here at the Literary License Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, so I can so I can understand. Oh, no. Yeah. So I can, so I can understand. Though. So I can understand why Craig, you, um, why it didn't really absorb because I remember one of my favorite movies is The Seven Faces of Dr. Law, which is that book was on, hard too, and I loved it too. That yeah, was hard. And, that and I had hard. to actually read it twice to absorb it. But then once I got into the rhythm of it, and then we did like I think the Bad Seed right after that, and we did yeah. a bunch of ones from the fifties, one after another, and that's why it got easier. But I think it's a style of writing. It's because it's yeah, it's not. It was it's the not, time. It was on, the time. Because I've started Gone Girl, and I can't put yeah. it down, and I and I think it's because it's more visual, and I'm a, I'm quite a visual person. Yeah. Whereas right. yeah, whereas whatever happened to it was more matter of fact of yeah biopic so a bit more sterile yeah maybe maybe yeah. Yeah. that it was about two aging old broads you know where's the fun of that i guess right <laughs> <laughs> somebody has some feminist out there's gonna hate on me now just kidding um, but i have to say what i like about what happened to baby jane which when we get into the movie we can go and i'll go into a lot further is that this is a great companion piece to the movie because it's almost this, exactly the same. Well, this movie, but the book kind of fills you in more on the characters, <laughs> what's going on in their mind. Like Edwin and yeah, like Edwin, what's going on with the sisters, and yeah. um, a little bit more. So it kind of gives you 
So it's kind of a great companion piece to the movie. It does give which, you the backstory a little bit to the character. Yeah, so yeah you're it, right. It, 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 explain, it explains a little bit more than the movie does. The movie kind of gives you like a shadow of things and the book kind of fills those shadows in sort of thing. So, which I mean, we'll get into more when we discuss the film. But so I guess now, is this my favorite book of all time? No, I enjoy reading it only because I love the movie and the movie yeah, is just yeah. goodness to a further extent. But but there are some things in there that are quite taboo, like Edwin's homosexuality and his thing about the hatred of older women. And I mean, it's quite shocking if you think of like 1960s that this is written about. Well, I mean, you had stuff that was written before. I've been quite shocked by a lot of the movies and books that we've covered in, in you know, the, the pre-60s era. And I was like, wow, man, did they go there? Because I thought that people were just so culturally scared to stray from, you know, the Christian type, you know, Judaic norm of anything, but we're talk about it, but they do. And it's really, wow, they did this. They said that it's interesting. You know what I think, I know what I think it is. I think that intelligent, God forbid, um, any of our listeners, we're not talking, you know, this is generally speaking. So don't, if you're going to send me hate mail, make sure it's, make sure it's deliciously, wonderfully written so I can enjoy it. Or send it to me. But, <laughs> but um, I think what it is is that I think you can get a lot, a lot away with a lot in books. As yeah. you, even like the Count of Monte Cristo when we were reading that, or Hunchback right. in Notre Dame when we were covering that, or Gulliver's Travel where basically he's pissing oh. on Gull people to get the fire out. <laughs> Gulliver's <laughs> Travels was a shocker. I was yeah. so, I mean, just when he was go, doing the golden shower stuff and all that, yeah. you know. I mean, but, but, I read that in school. I mean, I didn't need that straight yeah. over my head. Did not know, you know. But I think I think the thing is, I think you can get away with that because the moral majority, I think, don't tend to read that much, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so they're so the thing is, they don't actually. If you look at the books, they're like that are shocking that they say are shocking would be like Peyton Place. And this is the stuff that would go out to like the, the masses. But then you get other books that don't hit the masses, but they're actually a lot more risque than what hits the masses sort of thing. Mm, right. Of course, things like Peyton Place or Flowers in the Attic, which we'll be covering later in the year as well. Flowers in the Attic, definitely the reason, yeah. Well, that's the reason why I think it sold. I mean, I remember in school when we did Flowers in the Attic, um, that basically when it came out, we, I mean, that book got traded around. I mean, that got traded around like free candy amongst kids. That was like, like Lisa, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisa Bright and Dark. That movie got traded around like I candy. loved that book. That was great. Yeah. Really good. Who, who wrote that one? Uh, sorry, that Virginia is. Andrews. That's yeah. yeah. So, yeah. which um, we have a big surprise for Stephen Seven for Virginia Andrews, which we'll get into after our show when we finish. So, but um, but yeah, so so yeah, so that's what I found a bit. That's what I quite like about whatever happened to Baby Jane the book, though, because it does kind of it fills in a lot of gaps. And so, then we, and especially what I do is I don't I don't watch the movie until I finish the book. And so then when I finish the book and then I watch the movie. I had to sit there and say, doing it, doing it this time around, because I mean, I read the book and I didn't bother watching the movie for a long time. I read the book about five years ago because it was like, I found it on Kindle. I was like, oh, I want to read all these old books sort of thing. <laughs> and then, but then I kind of watched the movie like three, a couple of years later because it was on TV. This time I read the book and then watched the movie and I have to sit there and say, it really makes the movie pop a lot more for me. So it does. I, so it did I, make a difference, didn't it? Yeah, you kind of knew a little bit more about the characters. You said companion piece, so you're right about that. And it did kind of go into their mental anguish a little bit more. You know, well, you kind of got inside the mind of the beast a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, the, another thing is, is that I always thought that Baby Jane's the villain, but she's not the villain. No, that's what I always thought too. But Blanche is the villain. Blanche is the villain because of her passive aggressiveness, and she, she basically, and this is what's not in the, this is not what's in the film, but in the book, is that you find out in the book that basically, Blanche goes to run over her sister. Her sister gets out of the way because she's drunk. She goes and passes right. out. Yeah. Blanche crawls to the car. Of course, she's crippled because of it. Blames right. her sister. Basically, is to control her sister to get revenge on her. And makes her a, a servant and drives her sister mad. So drives her to the point that what, what you know when we go into the story, that's the reason for. And then right. what we also get the simple fact is that when Blanche is a movie star, she basically makes sure that Blanche has a part in all her films, but they can't be showy parts. They have to be really bad parts. She can't and any be movie and stuff. And, yeah. And, yeah, and any movie that her sister's in, if she does this movie on her own, cannot be shown in America. Wow. So her sister, yeah. her sister was like ruining her life from that point forward. So basically, yeah. it's like, and so like, well, yeah, you got to go back though to the beginning and where why she hated her sister. Yeah, the but the thing two. is, but the problem, yeah, but the problem, the, I think the problem basically is she hated her sister, but it had nothing to do with her it sister. It was her parents' it had, fault. It was her father. It was her father's fault, really. I mean, it wasn't Baby Jane being horrible to Blanche, but yeah. Baby Jane was never horrible to Blanche um baby jane baby jane and blanche's dad was horrible to blanche put her to the side so but the thing is because you have to remember is that it was during the depression or just before the depression and baby they were making their money off baby jane without baby jane her, the mother says it in the book if it wasn't for baby jane you have to you know we wouldn't have these nice clothes we wouldn't have this nice house we'd yeah. be living we'd be living in a you know basically poor it's a big yeah. thing for a small kid to carry like you know yeah to say like you know it's uh well, you see it today, don't you? Didn't Macaulay yes. Culkin had to divorce his parents? Yeah. Drew Barrymore had to divorce Look at Britney Spears. Britney Spears, Spears. yeah. Wow. You know, That's um, horrible. I mean, I love her new stuff that came out. Boy, she's just going for the juggler. <laughs> it's like, yeah, get him. Yeah, she, I think she just had, a, I think she's got a number one with Elton John here at the moment. So I think yeah. that's hit number one here. So I, I think these things happen everywhere in every, every, yeah. I was, uh, it has been released like few, Two weeks ago, there was a, in the late 80s, the beginning of the 90s, a tennis player from Argentina. He ranked number 17 in the world, right? He went to Roland Garros and everything. And his dad was training him. Yeah. But his dad created a method of training, right? Right. He was winning all the, all the games. His father was beating up in the hotel. With with belt like, and he was when he was losing, he was being hidden. When he was winning, the man made like let's say I don't know like five million dollars, uh, and his dad used all that money. By the time he wanted to get married, went to see the account in Switzerland, nothing, no, the money has completely disappeared. Mm -hmm. So it, it happens everywhere. The thing is like I think in the eighties, in the nineties, it was more like. Um, kind of hide and no one was involving in 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 helping even in probably if you have a sus suspicious uh, sus suspect that something was going on it was not your business this day with the media and everything it's really easy if you see yeah. it and record it and I put it in the internet and then boom more exposure well i mean i mean didn't will smith win an oscar about portraying the um the, the tennis the, stars the sisters serena uh, and what's her yeah. name yeah. williams 
I, I, I don't think you, no, that. he got nominated. I don't think he, yo, he did win, didn't he? Yeah, he win. But what I'm saying is that that movie is all about bringing up his daughters and living off his daughters. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or or the state, or I mean, they have a TV show that used to be on on Lifetime TV or one or one of those kind of shows, which is that reality dance moms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, where they're that living was or, wild. Or yeah. or look at um you know, Janae Ramsey, you know, the one who died, you know, the, girl, the girl who mysteriously died. Yeah. I mean, they're basically the, I mean, if you look at those child, those child beauty pageants where the parents are like making their children live the reality that they didn't have for themselves. It's weird, man. It's so strange. I do know people though, however, that did put their children in pageants back in the day and their kids really, I mean, it was really, a, sometimes it was a positive. They had, uh, what do well, you call it? It depends why you're doing it. Wasn't all bad, you know. For no, no. But what I'm saying, it depends. It all depends on why you're doing it. Are you are you doing right. it because this is what the kids want? If the kids right. want that, then it's probably positive. If you're doing it because this is a dream that you wanted for yourself, right? You know, and what we get, and what we kind of get is the classic Broadway musical, which is the most classic Broadway musical of all time, which is based on Gypsy Rose Lee, which is Gypsy, the perfect right. stage mother, you know, basically it's like, you know, she pushes her baby June all the way to the front. Then when baby June leaves her and then she turns her daughter to a stripper, which becomes Gypsy Rose Lee. And yes. then basically it was all, all because she wanted, the mom wanted to be the star. That's why she pushed her kids there. And the kids had no education. She pushed them. She was like, and this is what, you know, when they talk about stage mothers, this is like yeah. the epitome of the stage mother. The well, first, some you know, of them are pretty and, darn great women. That's sort of like uh, Mozart's father, you know, uh, Leopold, you know, he pushed Mozart, dragged him around all the state heads of Europe as a bloody performing monkey, as I said, like, you know, the guy yeah. was, was actually, you know, so talented. I mean, writing an opera at four, I mean, that's something else, you know. But the thing is, like, again, like Keith said, his father sort of living on the proceeds of the, the, golden, the golden goose, you know. Yeah. It's, it's and, the, and the worst thing about it is that most kids, what happens when their cuteness is gone or the talent yeah. kind of fades and they're yes. no longer in the spotlight? And, and we get story, we get stories like this all the time. I mean, look at... Um, uh, What's her name from? She had her own show. She was in Hairspray. She did a couple movies, but she went mad. She she retired at the age of 19 and basically oh. she went a bit mad. Now she's fine again. Yeah. Um, Amanda Burt, is it? Um, I didn't look it up. I don't look it up. Um, I mean, she was fantastic, but she, I mean, she's retired now. Um, and well, you got something Britney similar Spears, happened. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's something a similar happened with Drew Barrymore, where yeah. I, I have to read for, for this course that I was doing. It was like, she was she was when she started to to act she was going out with her mom and her friends like clubbing and yeah. she was probably i don't know like 12 but imagine being 12 and being drinking as you as, as your mom is drinking doing that life and even the mom was bringing uh, men to you know to it was horrible up to the, then like kind of she decided to like stop everything and then appear years later went to get like clean um and decided that that she couldn't like uh carry on like being around her mom because it was like toxic person right there's like there's a classic yeah. picture of drew barrymore at the age of seven um yes. she was doing with a cigarette she, she got a cigarette she's <laughs> holding her head she's, she's yeah. and she, at the age of seven she was a drug addict and an alcoholic drew barrymore was yeah Oh. And her parents were, she had to actually divorce her parents. She had to yes. divorce her parents at the age of, what you were saying, 11, 12, didn't she? She divorced her yeah. parents. 
Well, sometimes you the know, parents get so toxic and so greedy. Well, look at Gary Colbin from Different Strokes. They stole all his money. His yeah. parents stole all his money. So basically, he ended up being a security guard. Wow. I didn't know that's how he ended up. I know they took his money. Um, Dan Dana Plato. Yeah. Oh, well, and Todd um, Bridges, when you look at the whole Different Strokes kids. Yeah. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. Danny Bonaducci basically would go and shoot the Partridge family. He played Danny Partridge. And then when he get home, if he didn't make enough money, the father would beat the shit out of him. So basically to the point where Dave Rubens or who played um, Kincaid, their manager, right. would have to take would have to take Danny Bonaducci and basically um, take him take make sure he didn't go home on weekends. God, I didn't know that. That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then and then you know and then you wonder why these kids spiral, you know, when and then what and then another thing is is like, you know, then you have the thing is like the whole world's adoring you and the whole you got all this fantasia and basically you're supporting your family, you're making all this money. Then and you then get it, old, big pressure, and, you know? and then it all goes away. And that's what baby Jane shows you. What happens when it all goes away? Yes, this yeah. is what happens. It was but a she might have been okay had had you know Blanche not done what she'd done to her through the years. Well, see, but this is this is another thing we have as well, where Baby Jane's heydays were on stage. In vaudeville. In vaudeville, where Blanche's heydays are recorded, their films. Yeah, yeah. The, and, the and, Yeah. You know, it's like if like Gypsy Rose Lee, we may know who Gypsy Rose Lee is, but we don't we don't have any footage of who Gypsy Rose Lee is or Fanny Bryce <laughs> or all of, these fantastic people. There's a lot of pictures. There's pictures, but you don't really know what 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 the thing is you know about them you might hear about them but you don't have any evidence like i mean i don't have any I, i've never seen evidence of gypsy rose lee stripping apparently she was the best stripper in town she was the most tasteful one but you know about her but you don't actually you know you know it's not like marilyn monroe where you can just put on a marilyn monroe film and see it see what the magic was seem like a, a josephine baker or something called something like this you know yeah you know the, the actual shows were like really risky you know but that's paris <laughs> yeah but the thing is though and all you can do is read about it because there's no film footage of it yes. whatsoever where, where blanche hudson there where her films make a comeback on television yeah. it's like you can see where the magic is and then, well, when you're talking about stripping there is footage but i mean you're talking like stripping stripping or partial no I mean, no when, when i'm when no what i'm saying is when gypsy rose lee basically was in her heyday when she was the number one burlesque stripper and the thing is she never showed anything she stripped but you didn't see anything okay even though she took everything off but the thing is there's no film footage because it was burlesque they didn't film burlesque okay she's done a couple movies don't get me wrong she's in the trouble right. of angels with Haley mills and rosin russell and she wrote you know a couple movies that um that she has small parts in but it's not her doing her act that she's most famous for right you know, and that's the thing about stage acting, isn't it? It's just like, you know, I saw, you know, for instance, I remember seeing Grace Jones in concert, which was the best concert I've ever seen. But She's wild. Well, <laughs> I'm saying it's the best concert I see, but all I can do is tell you about it. But you're never you're not going to ever experience that because it's a live show, isn't it? It's yeah, there and exactly. it's gone. It's only in your head. So you can and you can never and you can never revisit it no matter what. I can tell you all about it, but but you know, but you can never revisit a live show ever. Yeah. Where film, you can revisit as many times as you want many to. Times, Every time it comes on TV, you can revisit. When we I saw mean, David, David Hoyle, sorry, Keith, when we saw David Hoyle, you know, it was great, wasn't it? You know, being there in the moment, watching him do his gags, you know, and he was just like 
it was just magical, you know, but as I say, like if it was televised or it was just like a radio or, or a CD thing. It's like, it wouldn't have the same impact, you know, that's what he yeah. was, you know. You can revisit it, you know, that's yeah. the thing. If it, if you got some kind of media, I mean, our show is based on revisiting everything, you know, sort of thing, right. revisiting right. a book, revisiting a film, revisiting a television series, so we can revisit these things. But God forbid, if uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane was a stage show, we wouldn't be covering it. Sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, so I thought that was quite interesting as well, that whole paradox between stage and film, and that even if you're a stage actor, there's no way there's no way that's ever going to be revived in people's memory because that's only as good as, you know, if you take an old film, like let's say Blanche Hutchins film, for instance, yeah. she gets a remerge, you know, she gets a reemergence because younger, younger generation are can, can see her films, you know, where yeah. a younger generation is never going to see baby Jane, are they ever? So it's it's like, like, no, they're not. In the music, it's in the music business. It's like, um, you're only as good as your last gig. So, yeah. you know, it's, Every night we play, you have to reinvent yourself every night. And that mm. got really tiring. Like, even on that level, what we were at, you know, and imagine right. for like, you know, big people, big show, you know, like the Stones or something like that, you know, have to recreate that every night. There's a lot of things lying on his shoulder, you know. You know, George Harrison said a great one. He said, um, it's okay. Yeah, you know, we got the money and we got the fame. He says, but we gave our nervous systems. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. You know, um, but saying that, there is a difference between being a great stage performer and being a great um, film actress as well. There's two different mm. things there as well. But it just goes down. I mean, it's just such a dark novel, though, because I mean, the, it, it just it's goes it's it's a uh, it's I don't know is it campy maybe kind of a little bit. Um, it's dark and eerie. We know that. You I know, but it's it just, it's, set, it's based on cruelty, and I mean, it's just a cruel. It's a mean book. I yeah, mean, it is very mean. I, I mean, I mean, just just the things that you know that that was done to each sister, what they did to themselves, and then you got the other that like the, the Ed, Edwin Flag, I believe his name is, came in. Edwin you know, King. he had his issues too. Uh, but well, I mean, and then you had the, the you had the caretaker too. I mean, um, oh gosh, what was her name? Edna. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Elvira in the movie because she, <laughs> but, um, yeah, Edna because she's she's a white Irish woman in the book. Oh yeah, but, that's um, right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, the, yeah, um, she was. It's, and, and her hair it was it Blanche's hair was um blonde. She, she got the dark beauty of, of Joan Crawford. But, but I mean another thing is is that you know you also find out in the book that basically that baby Jane should have gone to a mental institution, but she doesn't want to send her there because if she sends her there. Then, you know, before before she decides to sell the house, if she sends it, therefore that she does she can't uncontrolled baby Jane. And you're like, what the hell? I mean, yeah. this is like I would have sent you know, her packing. Yeah, it's screwed. Well, up the it. thing is, I mean, she's basically baby Jane is actually the one who's trapped. I mean, I mean, the tables do turn because you know, because what basically what you do find out is that basically. Through all this and Blanche, I mean, baby Jane blaming herself for an accident that she herself was not responsible for. And then basically, you know, keeping it there is like, oh, I'm going to keep my sister here so she can take care of me. So that way she has to live with this guilt all the time. Oh, and it manifests into this alcoholism. Yeah. And, she, and it makes her oh. sister go mad. And of course, she becomes a product of the madness Blanche does. Mm. What a horrible existence to be. So, yeah. 
Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, your sister hates you, but she's keeping you around because she wants you to be sick all the time and unloved and drunk 24 7. You know, I mean, that's just evil and it's dark and it's, it, it it's really, I, I mean, I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to place it in the horror genre. Or I mean, it's I don't know. I guess it's kind of horrorish, you know. I saw. I think it's more psychological thriller. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Yeah. I think it's more, psycholo- more like, psychological horror. Both both of them has a kind of like a toxic relationship. You know, it's like uh, up to what point I would say one is the victim, right, or or right. the other. Yeah. In one moment, it's like well, it's a bit level level it up if you want like when when one was really young the other was like on, on the back all the time then the other mm-hmm. one comes forward the other one can copy and then then the other one went then back to and i think it's like it's not a is what you say Vicky, well, it's, like, it's all about power who has the power who has the, power? Who has the gold makes the rules yeah, well, I true. think also what you have though is you get if you ever notice that it's very rare that two actors stay married to each other. Yeah. And you know, and you know why that is, don't you? Because when one is up, it's very rare that both of them yeah. are up at the same time. One is up and one goes down. And it seems like once the person goes down, then their marriage ends, sort of thing. Because they Look can't at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Holy shit. I didn't watch hardly any of that, but man, talk about what? What? Angie, you know? Angelia Jolie and Brad Pitt. Yeah. Or, um, or any of them, any of the marriages. I mean, there's very rare that you get yeah, marriages yeah, that are on equal footing. I think yeah. it's different. The Amber Heard is more similar to this one. It's like she pretends to be the victim when deep down back at home she was a monster i think that they were both on drugs and i think that no, they yeah, were yeah, both yeah, yeah. kind of mean to each other uh, i'm not saying i think i think i think they're one of those relationships that were like, i think they kind of brought out the worst in each other yeah yeah, yeah. and i and i can sit there and say i've been in a relationship where we kind of brought out the worst in each other i've so had several like, relationships <laughs> like that. so it, it, it's, it's not just for hollywood yeah human beings are a paradox you know, yeah. or a paradox. It's like when people say, oh, I know you. And I don't say, really? Because you can tell me, because I don't know me. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like in the Verve song, you know, I'm a million different people from You're one day to the next. I'm a bloody oh, parrot. Bloody parrot. Yeah. When you get a psychotic parrot, <laughs> it's best to turn the oven off. And then um, yeah. <laughs> in the baby Jane, it's like that old uh, expression was, it, revenge is a dish best served cold. Or with a parakeet. Oh, that was sad. Yeah, or a chicken. <laughs> right, too. Or, or, or the, the rat. rat. For the rat, but, yeah. But I have to there say, I found that very clever because that baby Jane's like, you know, finally, you know, when the, you know, when she finally does snap, and basically it's like, you know, she'll bring her, you know, she does the par- the parakeet thing, and then, you know, and then. Blanche doesn't know what the next meal is. So she, yeah. she brings her a nice meal. You know, yes. she does that for a couple of days. Then she brings her something horrible to the point oh, where she doesn't, you know, so basically psychologically messing with her. I wonder yes. if I could do that with my family. <laughs> I do. I do it to vegetarians all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just but, vegetable stock. And I know it's fucking bone broth. Is this dude, a vegan you know? sausage roll from Greg's or is it a normal one? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. The well, thing- the worst thing I did once was um, I I was at a friend a friend of mine's house and he goes, oh, do you want him? Uh, oh, he goes, I'll make you a smoothie. I said, sure. And he had his friend there who's a vegan. 
And he, so he put like yogurt in it, milk in it. And I'm like drinking it. And uh, in, uh, he goes, he goes, oh, what are you drinking? I go, I'm just smoking I, I go, why do you want some? He said, yes. And I go, they go, and I go, it's good, isn't it? He goes, oh, he goes what's in it? And I told him, he's like, he was horrified. I go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking that it was a, I didn't think it was a meat byproduct. I forgot. <laughs> I guess it's a meat byproduct. They don't, yeah, they don't have, they don't like dairy or anything like that. But I just, I just wasn't thinking, so. Oh my but my friend turned to me and goes, were you not thinking or were you just your subconscious taking over for you? Or were you just being an <laughs> asshole? Were you never- yeah, <laughs> I felt like an asshole, but it wasn't, you know, in this instance, this instance I, I felt kind of bad because I, I just don't think, I don't think that way. I just, my life doesn't think that way. But um, I have to sit there and say another thing I liked about this book is Jane's very, Jane's last line with her sister when her sister explains everything that happened that yeah, night yes. and and Jane turns to her sister and goes you mean we could have been friends friends yeah, yeah. not sad it's break your heart I know and that's sad <laughs> that was the most heartbreaking thing I've I mean I ever read it and is it, and it totally I sit there and say it's even, it's even better when we get to the movie side yeah, of it I but, know yeah. I mean it was carried off well at the ending of the movie you know if Spot if on. if if Blance wasn't so petty about everything, they probably, there probably would have been a, also, they could have been both very happy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, another thing you have to remember though, as well. Okay. It's Blanche's house. This tells you the, the dementia of Blanche, how evil Blanche is. It's, uh, it's Blanche's house. Um, they have a lot of rooms downstairs. It's a mansion. Yeah. Right. In the book, it's the, it's a mansion. And Blanche decides to have her room upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Why not even install an elevator? Yeah, I mean, it, right? you know, because I mean, because if she installed an elevator, that means she doesn't need baby Jane there. She can be self-sufficient. So oh, that way, baby so that way baby Jane can climb up and down the stairs yes. every time that she's needed. Wow. That buzzer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, well, wow. the movie is the buzzer, which we'll get to that as well. Yeah. But that tells you that tells you. So it's kind of funny because I never realized this. Every time I realize this, I always kind of well, they do baby gloss over that in the film. I mean, it's definitely more um, profound. Well, the novel. yeah, they do, they do. But I, I have to say, now watching the film after reading the book, it does uh, things are a little bit a lot more clear. It is all covered in the film, which we'll get to. But. It is. But I, but you know, when you think of the layers that are on this, it's kind of like, exactly, yeah, God Almighty. <laughs> Could you imagine hating someone so much and to be on and to basically trap them into this kind of life? So there's salt, there's servitude towards you, and the guilt that you give that person to be servitude yes. towards you, and the thought process behind that, yeah, and to do that to anybody. Why? Anybody. I mean, you, I mean, that's why I say that Blanche is the villain of the piece. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yet she gets all the sort of like attention and all the sympathy. And if, well, if they you don't really at... get anything though, because they're recluses. So I mean, no, yeah. but no, but Bl but Blanche, Blanche, but Blanche gets all Blanche because Blanche is passive aggressive. Right, right, right. Oh, I'm so nice. Oh, she's <laughs> nice to everything. Oh, la la. And because because jane is in your face she's direct and in your face it's like between english people and americans i mean english people are like oh they're like bitching about you behind your back and no offense but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're right Keith. but yeah. but and then americans are just very direct and so english yeah. people look at americans like we're gauche and then but meanwhile english people is like you know 
they're you know someone offends them and they're telling everyone but the person who offended them it's kind of like it's that guy's kind of thing it's like this passive aggression thing it's just like like true actually you know it's like like if an english well in english this is what this will, this will tell you the difference between english people and americans right. english people say oh we'll do coffee sometime they don't fucking mean it they don't mean it there's something there's yeah. something that they say so they can just say goodbye to you yeah where if american says it chances are they're going to contact you in a week's time and ask and, you to go and, for and actually coffee. go for a physical coffee or something yeah but but if they do it with an english person if an, an american asks an english person to do that and then when right. the american calls the english person they're like why is this person calling me why for you coffee? Me? Why? they're not supposed to be calling me they're yeah. not Supposed to be offering it. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling today? You know, oh, have you got like an hour and I'll tell you. No, I haven't. Oh, why ask? <laughs> you know, we often. I used to do that when I went to the supermarket, like when I used to go to Safeway or and I before I used to use, I use self-checkout now for everything because I just don't like I don't like to talk to people. But um but when I used to, when we used to have the checkout thing and they would ask me how I was, I used to sit there and just tell them all these problems that I would just yeah. up and, and, and just watch them get like, like, oh my God, just burn no. up and just, hey, get away. <laughs> yeah, get the back, get, get them out, out. Like, get them out, you know. The lady said the other day in the shop, she says, uh, would you like cash back with that, sir? I says, only if it's somebody else's because i got nothing. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, I know, and you know, it's quite funny because in Spain, Spain's totally different. And in Spain, if you go to the shop, no matter if you're just going in for uh, cigarettes or a lighter or whatever, they want they want to have a long conversation with you. So if you, go, you can't just pop in and buy something. You're there for like 10, 15 minutes. It's like, <laughs> really, and I, really and I, worse when you're there and you don't speak Spanish. Oh, well. I mean, I have, I mean, when I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm a little, oh, I, I find it overly friendly a little bit because it's like, God, I just want to get in and get out. I don't need to sit there and have a conversation with you. I don't want to be rude, but I, I really, I just, I don't care. <laughs> I know there's always somebody, you know what, you know what bothers me about going in stores over here in America is when somebody's buying fucking lottery tickets. <laughs> That right there at the store drives me nuts. Why? <laughs> because you got to wait for them to do their lottery tickets and pick out this one and that one. You got an arm oh. stop and they're getting lottery tickets. It's just like, oh, okay. Man. Oh, because in this country, before you can go out to the county, you have to have your numbers picked before you take it up. So, oh, see, they don't do that show. here. You got to. Hmm. So you have to buy it at the counter and then choose your numbers. Yeah. Okay. Or they get the yeah. scratch offs. And then if they win, uh, it's just like, oh man, can you just go to another freaking counter, please? Can can you can you fill out? Can you put those you know those horrible like silver scratching somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, it's making a mess, you know. I, I don't think COVID did the world any good when it comes to common courtesy. That's all I got. It gives me sore fingers because it's made of latex. Yeah. So I always use a coin. <laughs> yeah, mm. <laughs> I have I have a latex and um, I'm allergic to latex and anything that's petroleum products, so I have to like not touch them, yeah. otherwise they break out in a rash. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, it makes it makes condom buying very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go like it. I have to buy. I can't buy the cheap ones that they give out free at um, Plant Plant Road. <laughs> I have to go buy fucking expensive ones. <laughs> so. Well, right. in New York, well, I mean, uh, we that, used to start with the banana that, that skin. Would at least save yourself <laughs> skin. ass scratching, I guess. Yeah. And, I was saying, um, Vicky, in Newcastle, because like, they're so cheap, 
they used to be all hanging on the washing line, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I mean, the first one was probably a banana skin, I guess, you know. But uh, maybe that's why the relationship didn't work out, you know. Right. Could be, you know. <laughs> you never I think... know. You don't. Yeah, I never know people the fem- that are allergic to petroleum products, though. I mean, your clothes are made of petroleum products. Yeah. What, I mean, I mean, what well, do you I do? Can't, I can't. I can't wear polyester. Everything has to be like 100. And it, may, it sounds horrible because it makes you sound like a really big snob. But everything has to be like just cotton and stuff, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, you can do, you can buy it. It's pretty easy. Right. And just whatever. I just have to you know check lines. And luckily, it's not exp- you know 100 cotton or wool. It's not like people it used like to you be. that are perpetuating the cultural inequity. Uh, <laughs> It did give me reason that when someone was wearing nothing but polyester, I'd be going, how many polyesters did they kill to make that outfit? Yeah, <laughs> well, you remember the 70s and disco. Holy shit, you know, polyester. There was polyester all how many, the way how many gas stations did he close down to wear that jumper? No shit, literally. In the seventies, in the in the seventies and eighties, if I didn't pay attention to what I put on my body, I was just walking around looking like a human strawberry. Yeah, it's quite horrible. I don't think any of us cared. You know, bell no. bottoms and plaid is that. You know, plaid bell bottoms. I almost <laughs> choked when I saw that one the other day. I was like, why didn't I save all my clothes? Exactly. You know, they come back. It always comes round again. Yeah, it always comes around. All around so, which basically tells you that every generation who thinks they're being original or not being original exactly. at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I remember walking out the, the room once with my long hair, when I had hair, and um, I had a, a big fur coat on, a lady's fur coat. And my dad said, why are you wearing that? I says, because I'm original. And he said, yeah, but everybody else is wearing one. <laughs> all your friends wear <laughs> the same thing. You know, so it's not that original. And he was right, you know. But bang on, you know. But then again, mm. you know. But we had cheap clothes back in the day because we I mean, went to see The Clash and uh, I was wearing a bin liner. <laughs> had a bin liner as a, as a T-shirt and my jacket right. on top. Looked great, you know. I love I The do Clash. That. <laughs> I, do that, I do that on Halloween. I put a, um, if, if I have to go to a costume party, I haven't sorted myself out. I either dress as my normal clothes and sit there and say I'm a serial killer and we look like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll, or I'll put on a white or I'll put on a bin a bin liner and, and they'll ask you what you have. I go I'm white trash. I went as a pregnant nun one year. <laughs> <laughs> I should revive that. But you know what? Nobody even knows what nuns are anymore. Well, this is it. You know, I mean, this is the problem. <laughs> I went with a bunch of bullet holes in my shirt and asked me what I was. And I said, I was a Columbine teenager. Oh, I went with a mouthful of custard. And when somebody says, what are you? I squashed my teeth and said, I was a blackhead. Oh, no, I'd rather see the Columbine Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I'm bringing down the standard of the show. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because we have high, high standards. Sort of like, what is it? Blue Doe at Animal House. See if you could guess what I am now. Yeah, yeah you can. I was it. Get it? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy.
So getting back to whatever happened to Baby Jane, let's give our review, our final review, giving it a five-star rating. Starting with you, Craig, what, how many stars would you give whatever happened to Baby Jane, the novel? Uh, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give it a two out of five. Hmm. For vagueness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? What about yourself, David? How many stars yeah, did you like, give it? Like I say, the books always like always like uh, puts more flesh on the characters, you know. Yes, good way to put it. Yeah, the way to take when you when you actually write the screenplay, which became obviously the the, the movie. Like it must be really clever. I couldn't do that. It's just incredible, you know. But the thing is, with the book, as you say, like it expounds on more things, and like Vicky was saying, it, it takes the characters and shows their back story problems and things like this and that, that gives it more flavor but yeah you know I think you say it was written in a certain time so it's like we're so used to sort of really quick flying things like the fight club you know yeah and the, the novel the fight club was so exciting it was even more exciting than the movie um or Henry Miller you know like you read Henry Miller and you feel you're there in Paris with him like but yeah I still think four four out of five yeah. okay four babies out of five James and what about yourself Vix? I was gonna say four out of five too. I mean, it, it I kind of it was it it did have a vagueness about it, so I yeah. kind of can I understand what what Craig's saying, but I didn't think it was bad at all. I mean, I'm glad I read it because I absolutely loved the movie, and it really does kind of fill in some of those blanks. Pretty much like watching the feud now, and boy, that filling in all kinds of shit. Watching <laughs> this movie, it gave me. I mean, I didn't finish the series, but oh my god. It makes it so much worth it because it's like, wow, I wonder if that really actually happened behind you. But mm. having something behind you, I mean, to, to, especially if you want to watch a, a movie that came out of the novel. Yeah, I would give it a four out of five. It wasn't it, it wasn't awful. I thought it was really dark. It's really definitely dark. Yeah. I'm going to give it four out of five if you're going to read it on its own. But if you're going to read it as a companion piece to the film, I give it five out of five. Absolutely. Because Good I, point. Good I point. think it, I think. I think this is one of those rare occurrences where the book actually lifts the movie to another standard. It does. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah, I'll give it that. Well, this brings us to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, the film, which is a 1962 American psychological horror thriller film directed and produced by Robert Altrich from a screenplay by Lucas Heller based on the 1960 novel. The film stars Betty Davis and Joan Crawford and features the major film debut of Victor Buono. It follows an aging former child star tormenting her paralytic sister, a former movie star in an old Hollywood mansion. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane was theatrically released in the United States on October 31st, 1962 by Warner Brothers Pictures. The film was met with critical acclaim and was a box office success. It was nominated for five Academy Awards and won one for Best Costume Design, Black and White, with Davis receiving her 10th and final nomination for Best Actress. The intensely bitter Hollywood rivalry between the film's two stars, Davis and Crawford, was pivotal to the film's initial success. This, in part, led to a revitalization of the careers of the two stars. In the years after release, critics continued to acclaim the film for a psychological-driven Black comedy camp and creation of the psycho-bitty subgenre. The film's novel and controversial plot meant that it originally received an X rating in the UK. 
Because of the appeal of the film stars, David Akoff of the New York Times has identified it as being a cult classic. It has also gone on to become an enduring favorite and queer audience following. In 2003, the character of Baby Jane Hudson was ranked number 44 in the American Film Institute of the 50 Best Villains of American Cinema. And in 2021, the film received the preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, Baby Jane Hudson. I wonder if you can guess who I am. I'm Baby Jane Hudson. Who the hell was Baby Jane Hudson? I've written a letter to Daddy saying I love you. My sister doesn't ever go out. She's um, not fit to receive visitors. Jane, I want to talk to you. I'm afraid I have bad news. We'll probably have to sell the house. You aren't ever going to sell this house. And you aren't ever going to leave it. She's sick and she's not getting any better. You mean Jane? I think she seems much better lately. I was cleaning the cage. Bird got up. You wouldn't be able to do these awful things to me if I weren't still in this chair. But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. <laughs> Jane, please. Don't do this to me. Jane! Jane, please! <laughs> Welcome back to Literally the Podcast. We're discussing whatever happened to Baby Jane, the 1962 classic starring Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. And starting with you, Leandro, what are your thoughts of whatever happened to Baby Jane? Uh, well, I really like it. Uh, first, I like the way like they uh, put all the tons of different topics, you know, mix it. Like, for example, no, if you start to think psychological things, uh, problems with drinks, um, alcohol you know when when they they were saying that baby jane was drinking tons of um when she was young um tons of different like um yeah topics that we could mention like um the the way they 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 treat each other all the time i really I must admit that the beginning seems to be going a bit slow and you don't get exactly what's going on. Well, it takes like 20 minutes to even see either major actress. I mean, they really set the story up. Yeah. Uh, I really like one thing at the beginning that then is is probably missed all over, but I call call attention on that. When baby Jane is outside on the back of, when on the back of the theater, and she said, I wanna, I think she said, she, I want an ice cream or something like that. And then one of the ladies said, 
oh, look at that attitude. There's always the parents who, who allow that. Yes. And it was just a bit in that, but it was really, really like interesting, you know, because as you said, it was the dad who was all the time. Like that. That deep in between the two girls. Backhanded her. I can't stand kids <laughs> like that. I literally cringe when I hear kids like that in the store. And I mean, I could do physical violence if the other parents don't want to, because it just makes me yeah. crazy. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I imagine, I don't know, well, it's because she was a star, but I imagine in the real life, if I, if I, a boy saying something like that, something up and say, I'm not moving from here. The, your mm -hmm. parents say, yes, come on, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I really in, enjoyed different, like, things like, well, that thing of the bear was horrible, you know, when she cooked it. Um, <laughs> was it the bird she put on the salad or was it the rat? I can't remember the bird, right? Well, bird. The, where's the bird? Bird, bird in the sandwich. So I think the bird's in the sandwich, the rat on the salad. Yes. I mean, I was just, I mean, I really actually did not want to eat after I saw that because I, yeah. I don't know what that, it just did something to me. That, that um, was so psychological. It really was. It, it was really interesting also because if it, for me, when I, when I see how the, the mother of the pianist was treating him, like he was, I don't know, like five years old and how he was kind of like playing around when, when she said, okay, well, you need to call for this job. And he mm. didn't. He didn't want to do it. He said, so he pushed. He turned all the whole thing. So she ended doing it for him. Mm. So right. I would see like this movie is all about like uh, how to manipulate someone, how to take revenge, and take it your own time. You know how to do it because yes, pledged uh, to her, her own time to kind of like plan it, how to work it perfectly. So she always uh, was seeing like the big team. Baby Jane, like the bad one, when it was kind of the other way around. Yeah, yes. she said it was really sad at the end when uh, Baby Jane said, well, we could have been friends. Um, that was just, that just sucks the soul out of you at the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah. It so, really and then, does. And then when it's she like, started oh. to, when she started <laughs> to dance all around with the two ice creams, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and all the people is looking at her. And the <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit sad. It was a bit bizarre, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was um, bizarre and sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed. It's like, um, yeah, was really for me. I, I have to admit, it was a bit long, two hours and fifteen minutes. But when you start to see all the all the ingredients that are like in this thing, it's like it's hard. It will be hard to compress it to make you understand what how how happened. Um, I really like something that I studied once. I made a workshop about how to write a um, script for movies, and they, they use one scene that is like you know when you, when you go backwards mm -hmm. in, in time. So it was a really clever. They did the thing at the beginning that. That kind of explain you. Um, I think it was when, when they were coming back to the party and she ran her over, something like that. So yeah, yeah, I, and also enjoy that those little revenges that Baby Jim was taking, right? That then you understand, like kind of like, okay, I'm here all the time for you, and the only thing you have to do is press up after all nonstop. And, <laughs> And he said, well, okay, she's treating her sister really bad. But then you understand and say, okay, I can do anything seriously. So at, at, at least, well, 
I do things like, oh no, you didn't want to have your food. Well, now you have to wait until the next one. Bye. <laughs> that wig that she wore, Betty Davis did that wig, was actually um, was worn by Joan Crawford in an old older um, MGM movie, and it had been regroomed. And as they used to keep props back then, yeah, Crawford right. didn't know that was the same wig. Wow. Uh, I mean, Betty Davis fucked with her throughout that whole production. When that, I mean, they screwed with each other so bad. I mean, they just did. I mean, it's funny, but it's I, not. I heard they hated each other's guts. Yeah, Craig was watching the documentary on it. It was. Yeah. They really did sort of like you know. I think there was kind of hate love thing for sure. The well, I don't. I, I mean, I think they respected each other, but yes. I mean, the whole dynamic that was going on. I mean, if you well, really I, read about it or even start yeah. watching the feud. It's just amazing what was going on behind the, the incest. When this, when this movie was being um, produced or, or in production, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was so much shit going on. And there was another Maybe. scene that I enjoyed that when the, the mom was selling the, the pianist, I can't remember his name, I think it was Erwin or something like that. Edwin. Yeah. Edwin. I said, have you seen what, what, what baby Jane did to her sister? She she <laughs> ran her over and then she she was found in a hotel with a man that she never had never seen before. And then the man said, Well, I'm not surprised of that, that story is 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 how I was uh, conceived. And the man was like <laughs> kind of like she was complaining about the story of another person that she did it herself too. <laughs> was Edwin gay in the story oh that's right he was because he got wait was he game story well in the in the movie he, he, I, I was it, looking it, and i thought well i think he could be like that and then i realized that uh for he, had, he, had, he lived with his mother i know that yeah he was really old he was living with the mom but the mom was and his mother was kind was, of up his ass a little bit yeah like overprotective like 300 you know <laughs> like yeah. um, i mean this is where I think that's what that's why the book is very good companion because it does talk about Edwin that basically his basically his mom has him like a, you know basically she was a Hollywood extra she has a one night stand gives birth to him he find, <laughs> um, he, he gets he gets bullied in school because in those times it's like yeah. you know he's a bastard yeah um, so that's in the book sort of thing and so it does yes. so basically what he does he hates his mom every time he looks at her he just hates her and the thing is but she because she feels guilty she keeps buying him everything and providing a life for him but now that she's getting old she can no longer do that now she's working as a cleaning woman and she can't provide the life that he hoping to do and now he's worried about what's going to happen to him if she dies so, so that's kind of and so that kind of brings it out in the book, but in the movie yeah. it's not really quite clear. Though yeah. he does, but what's in the movie is that he has more of a distaste for his mother. Right. It's kind of like that she's like kind of this overbearing mother. That's well, if you think it's more or less the same kind of a similar relationship that uh, Baby Jane having with her sister. Exactly. Not so much. Yeah. So like up, yeah. But, but it's similar. You know, it's like it kind of like. Uh, when I was watching these movies, like you could see, like like reflections in mirrors, you know, repeating, yeah. you know, like with Baby yeah. Jane, how when she was uh, young, and then when they grow up, and then the mama and the the son. Um, that's a yeah. good point, Leanne. That's a great point, that Leanne. You know, that's true. There was a lot of reflections, wasn't it? Shots of mm. him trying to do his time. I never noticed the film was two and a half hours long. It felt yeah. like an hour. And two a half. hours and fifteen. Yeah. yeah. It was two. Was it two hours long? Yeah, two hours and fifteen. Wow. Okay. Did you get the extended version? 
Because <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> is there, if there was an extended version, I'd definitely watch it. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, uh, sorry, Craig. That's going to make me crazy. Leandro, now I got to look it up. Uh, uh, well, uh, I think it's, a hundred, it's, a, it's, a, it's 134 minutes. Right. So oh, it is. Wow. That's a, quite a, it didn't seem yeah, so like it is. Yeah. It was well, it was quite fluid, wasn't it? Yeah. You know. I mean, it kind of kept going from scene to scene. Mm -hmm. you know. it moved, yeah, it's moved very, very well, and it's cut very, very well. So there's never, there's never like a dull moment. It everything no. means something, which it is, does, I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's why I said like you realize that if they were taking something out, then you couldn't like understand at the end how was all that dynamic between the two of them. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was a really cool movie. Gee, I wonder, you know where she, where Baby Jane's like, she's got her, she has to take her downstairs or whatever. She's carrying her because she mm. has her yeah. tied up yeah. with that apparatus that people use when they're, <laughs> you know, they can't walk. And yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering, I'm going to have to look it up and see if it's true. But apparently Joan Crawford's screwing with Betty Davis and had like weights on under her clothing to make yeah. herself heavier, <laughs> just to be an asshole. Okay. I mean, I mean the fuckery that went on behind the scenes. I mean, I, I'm surprised it didn't get more more words. I mean, it well, got a lot. Uh, well, in real life, the two of them they hate each other. Well, yeah, they, they did, did, but it was all really because people kept screwing with them. Me and Keith were talking earlier. They probably would have been best of friends if people yeah. left them alone, but they. Didn't. I bet they were having a good laugh about it for sure. You know? Well, like showed the sibling rivalry. I love them. Well, the I think I think the thing is, is in those days, and it's it's pretty much the same today. You were either a movie star or you were an actress. Yeah. Betty Davis was an actress. Joan Crawford was a movie star. Joan right. Crawford slept her way to the top. Where Betty Davis got there through her skill. Yes. And so you have this thing. And the thing is, is that, you know, and, you know, what, I mean, the feud, which is on Disney Plus in this country, I so highly suggest it's about the it's making on of Hulu this. Here. You yeah, should also yeah, watch it. It is, I'm in episode five or really six. Good. It is awesome. Yeah. It is and a it, great series. And it also covers Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, which is what we'll covering next month, about the making of these films, about their, it's about their relationship. But the thing is, is that, you know, it's quite telling because Joan Craw Crawford was the it girl. You know, it's like, yes. this is who you want to, this is who you want to look like. And Betty Davis is the actress that you want to be. Right. And so because of that, they're like pulling against each other and stuff like this. And because they would always compare the two of them as well. So they're always, in and like, you know, if, yeah, Betty Dave, if Betty Davis was offered a role and then she didn't take it, it would go to Joan Crawford or vice versa. So they were competing for the same roles as well. They were a bit and like, 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 for instance, like Betty Davis was offered Bildred Pierce. She turned it down. Joan Crawford got the Oscar for it. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that weird how that worked out? And, wow. and there's a lot of that going on between the two of them. And they were, and, and Joan Crawford was an MGM girl and Betty Davis was a Warner girl. So that made them against each other as well. So yeah. it's like, yeah, and then when they went, and then when they went both to Warner, when Joan Crawford went to Warner, of course that put them against, now they were against each other for roles. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I mean, the thing about Joan Crawford, which, you know, Joan Crawford lost her virginity when she was 11 years old to her stepfather. Wow. And and the reason why she left she lost it to her stepfather because her stepfather is the only one that ever showed her any love. 
Yeah, that's and this is what she tell, and this is her story, you know, sort of thing. And you know, basically, you know, if she needed, if she needed to get a role or something like that, she had to sleep to get the role. Where where Betty Davis, on the other hand, didn't lose her virginity until she was twenty five. She didn't. She said she never felt it. She yeah, when she got married, she didn't feel her own tickle because people found her ugly. No, she's beautiful, you know. I didn't think she was. A, I thought she was an unusual looking woman. She was different. Yeah. The eyes. It's a bit like. Yeah, street. she does have the. She had the eyes. She had Betty Davis eyes, no doubt. But I mean, yeah. talk about two towering infernos, colossal <laughs> women actresses. I mean, that they find. I mean, it was a great idea that they that they had to team these two up for this. But they did have that feud going on all through the filming of this, and they did shit to them to keep it going. Well, maybe that's what made it so like that's uh, what they're uh, saying it's sort of like at the end you know in the end of the film i guess that joan crawford as did many women back then had falsies they did three different sizes of falsies <laughs> that they would put in their bra and okay. any woman you could be built like a brick shit house and when you're lying down they go to the side i don't care how perfect you are yeah, yeah. you know they go this way but she i guess apparently betty davis didn't want to you know, like call on her on the beach because she said she was going to injure herself falling on her policies or something like that <laughs> but i mean it's just stuff i mean all the stuff they tattled on each other with hedda hopper wasn't it hedda hopper yeah hedda hopper which yeah. she, was, she was a gossip columnist so basically you know in the making of this film warner wanted to heat it up because it was good publicity for the film that how much these yeah. two hated each other and so what they did was they played each other against each other and so yeah and the thing and the thing the, the thing is is that the pepsi when they the do, coke machines was funny as hell that really did happen because joe crawford yeah. was working she owned pepsi because her husband died who was the yeah. owner of pepsi or the, the whatever you call it, the <laughs> company president and then Joan, there's that Betty Davis brought in a Coca-Cola machine just to be a bitch. I mean, it was just good stuff. Oh, I mean, cool. it's, it's just, it was good, clean fun. <laughs> I love that. I think it was a lot of, um, a lot of ad-libbing. You could see there's quite a bit of, a lot of ad-libbing. Obviously, the director of... I pressed the Australia <laughs> button by mistake. <laughs> well, what was it, the ending where she's, where Joan, Jonah Crawford is getting to the, the phone? And yeah. they actually, where she was, you know, she's kicking her. There was a dummy there, but apparently oh. there was a well-placed kick to Joan Crawford's head. Wow. <laughs> because at that point, yeah. they're ready to kill each other. Yeah. You know, because she fucked with her bad too. Like, the weight. I mean, she nobody takes it to, to carry yeah. her. And then they said, no. They we thought we'd actually put was, the subtitles on this. She was getting tired. And she had to keep picking up Joan Crawford. So, I mean, it's just some funny shit. Well, what funny I mean, but I mean, some of the some of the weird things about it, though, is that Joan Crawford got everything done in one take. Yeah. Right? And and Betty Davis can like, how the hell does she do that? How the hell does she do that? And she would say this to other people and the other people go, you actually admire her. Yeah. But but the thing is, if she told Joan Crawford that it probably would have been a totally different story because well, I think tried. Joan Crawford. Well, Joan Crawford, I think what it is that Joan Crawford wanted to be the actress that Betty Davis wanted to be. And Betty right. Davis wanted to have the good looks that Joan Crawford had. Well, yeah, you know, but was she a method actress, um, Betty Davis? She, I think Betty Davis was probably more of a method actress than yeah. Joan Crawford. Okay. Is she in her? Well, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, they're from two different, they're from two different sides of the country anyway. I mean, yeah. Um, Joan Crawford comes from a poor dirt desert town in California. Yeah. No, and she was from, no, she was from here, Texas. 
Texas. Oh, so, I didn't know that until okay. I did a little research this morning. Oh, okay, God. so but but it was like but it was like a really San poor, Antonio. It's, it's, it was it a was pretty nothing there back then. Yeah, it was like a, a really dirt desert town. That's you go five miles outside of San Antonio and it's a desert. And you go five miles west, there ain't shit. Tumbleweed. And and Betty Davis came from basically a upper upper class middle class Connecticut family who right. went to boarding schools. Okay, so yeah. Was, yeah. So you know, so you got two different personalities yeah. from two different yeah. two different walks of life, really. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but it's you know when you watched the feud, what I thought was quite interesting is that when they did get together and talk, they had a lot more in common than you than thought they, they thought, did. Yeah, yeah, about being fair mother, working mothers in the industry, being aging, working mothers in the industry, a lot of ageism. I mean. As I mean, as a woman, that kind of really struck that that kind of that that's cringe for me because boy, did Hollywood pick them up, you know, eat them up, spit them out. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. when they were done with you, they were done with you. They said that you know, like the, the like Claudette Colbert and and Olivia De Havilland and people like that, they would just fade away, you know, yeah. and just, just you know, gracefully go away. And these two just didn't want to. They wanted to work. Then again, they were broke. Well, Joan Crawford was broke. You know. It's like the Pepsi-Cola hadn't done any any favors for her when she was yeah. married to the you know the CEO. But you're right about like the spit you know the, the hook. it's not like a manufacturing line you know, like in the song uh, San Do you know the way to San Jose where you know yeah. you know like uh, all gas attendants or working. Whoa 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we have we have our own Johnny Cash. Uh, <laughs> and he's got the bass voice over here. Go on, one more time, Keith. La 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 la. Peter Lockard was supposed to play the part of Edward Black originally, but he didn't do it. Apparently, he felt that his character would reflect badly on his real life role as brother-in-law of the current president, John F. Kennedy. What? Sorry. Yeah, they, they, Lawford was supposed to play Edward. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, this is the this is the the Kennedy. I mean, this is what a, a year before he died, before he gets murdered, Kennedy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Kennedy uh, died. Let's see. I wasn't born yet. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> the late fall of 62. 62, 61 yeah, 62. 62. No, 62, 62. Yeah, yeah. And so this film's being filmed during during his Kennedy's still in power at that exactly. time. So. And the film would come out. The film came out like a week before Kennedy was shot because Kennedy was shot like six of November or something like that. That's yeah, that's right. yeah that's that was like twenty fifth, I believe, here in Dallas. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that was like a month later that Kennedy be shot up. This film was released. So so many things happened in the beginning of the sixties. Well, the sixties. Do you think though, the Betty Davis though, when she, I mean, she took free license with that makeup and that ghastly makeup really was the best idea she had because they were not going to do her like that yeah the makeup she was not going to look like that unusual. but i mean she looked like she had not washed you know like she probably yeah. never washed her face and just kept putting a new coat of makeup on so i mean yeah. she really looked like a scary old hag after a while yeah, yeah. i mean this is a beautiful woman still you yeah. know and I, I really admired that about her how she she would go that extra mile she didn't really have that ego well joan crawford kept coming back looking younger because she yeah. had those things that would pull her skin back a little bit yeah, on her yeah. head and they were trying to get her to look older and emaciated <laughs> but they had to force her to take her red nail polish off and make her look ugly I, I but think she didn't want to look ugly and i still <laughs> thought she was still pretty for somebody who was 
being abused and emaciating because she wasn't well, eating. Well, yeah, but the so thing hot. is, the thing is, they're both yeah, were playing yeah. that role, didn't they? I mean, the thing is, is like because when you watch the feud, when they talk about that, it's like the last sequence because they had to reshoot that off uh, while they were on the beach. Yeah, they would each they would each go to their trailer and get make themselves look younger for the next shot, and so basically then the <laughs> shots were lining up because. It's like I think Jack Warner sit there said that looking at Joan Crawford is like watching Camille in, the, in reverse. She's yeah. getting more and more well, and okay. and and then it's and then there's like one scene where you know they're showing Betty Davis is like, what the hell's happened to her? She's like lost yeah. thirty years. <laughs> That's like, yeah, well, Joan Crawford did it more than yeah. once. She kept going to this list. Yeah. She wouldn't stay on site. She had to have a hotel room. That she could go back and check in and she had all of her falsies with her oh, and i mean that. they had to fight with her but i mean i was i and i didn't know well, that going into the film but what i did say i kept saying my god she's still a beautiful woman oh, for yeah, someone who's supposed good, i mean i think she was still a knockout even if you know i mean she was in her 50s you, i mean we're not, not but, dead in our 50s for the love of christ you know but do you know what you know what kept her face looking young um do I want to know? <laughs> in, ho in Hollywood, a book of the past. <laughs> no, in Hollywood, what would happen is is that once you got to twenty eight years old, you started becoming too old. Right. In Hollywood. So what they did was they do this thing called the buckle, and what they would do is take the what they do is take the the five back teeth from the top on both sides oh, and the yeah. five bottom teeth outside Ooh. because then what that would do is that would sink your face in and give you yeah. higher cheekbones give you higher cheek wow i don't think that i would want that i like to eat too much no, and, no. and then and then what and then what would happen is that by the time they got to 40 or 50 what happened is the on um, their bones starts deteriorating in their yeah. jaws and stuff like that well that's the one thing i hate about getting older is that elasticity boy it don't bounce back like it did when it was 24 sure. it didn't vicky didn't, didn't bounce, bounce back off my ass anymore either <laughs> it didn't bounce off your ass when you were 21 what are you talking about <laughs> well you know what they say a moment on the lips a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. That's right. <laughs> There's some truth to that, man. It's just not fair. It, it's a cruel oh. world to a woman. Well, I can't imagine having to, your your whole life is based on your looks. Well, Seriously. It's and, a very and, and, and visual world now, you know. I well, mean, so Rembrandt painted pictures of himself from when he was like 20 up until when he died. I'm when he died, sorry. But he was just trying to sort of like... Um, you know, uh, display the aging process, but he was happy with it, you know, and that's yeah. like Michael Stipe, you know, he looks great, you know, from R.E.M., you know, he, he's got that great haggard. Right, kind of right. Look like, you know, yeah, I but think. See, that's the, but that's the thing with guys, isn't it? We can it's get like, away with it, Keith, yeah. You guys, that, age, yeah. You know, see, you guys age in season, you know, just like, <laughs> like, like whatever. Well, Women, yeah, it's but it, so much. But, but it's, it's kind of horrible because, because I mean, yeah. even, even if a guy turns into an albino raisin, you know, like, 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 still age better than us. Doesn't well, matter. no, I mean, I mean, let's put, let's put it this way. Let's Unless take Robert you're a woman Redf of ethnicity, like especially yeah. black women, beautiful yeah. skin. Well, I that's going to melatonin, but let's take Robert Redford. He looks like an albino raisin. Yeah. And he can <laughs> he still get any role rough. that he wants. He looks a little rough. But he can get any role that he wants. But you take another actress who's her, her, their age, like, let's yeah. take someone who's a bit younger, Annette Benning. Yeah, he can't fucking even get. She can't even get arrested now. Yeah, and she looks fine. You know. Well, you know, that and you look, she, she, you know what? I, I love that all the people. I, I do understand why I don't like her makeup all the time. I don't wear as much as I used to. That's for sure. 
but you get it. But sometimes just a little bit helps there, you know. I mean, just this <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, but the, but the thing is, it's a kind of a double standard, though, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, oh, what the, it's, you know a, what the, it's a big double standard. Well, let's put it this way. Do you know what the hardest thing to cast in Hollywood is now? What's what's Ricky? What the hardest? What um? What's the hardest um role to cast in Hollywood? Uh, Grandmothers. Oh yeah, it's because everybody looks beautiful. There's Botox. <laughs> there's cosmetic surgery. There's this shit. Pull this up, which I would really yeah. love it, but you know it's not happening. <laughs> Look at you. I mean, I, know, is, I want to pull these up. But, well, uh, I mean. That's the problem, basically, is that women are forced and women are forced to do all this. Yeah. And, and you know, let's say Botox, for instance. And the thing is, there is still no um, laboratory evidence that Botox, what the oh, permanent damage that Botox may do. Yeah, My exactly. daughter does the lip injections and shit. I'm no, not. No, no. Too young. And they do they do it because it's like, you know, it's like they're well, competing. She's gonna be 30 soon, so I get it. Yeah, but the thing, but the thing is, you have to have to remember that no matter how old you get, there's always gonna be a younger generation chasing Oh, up yeah. After I don't even try yeah. to compete with that that's shit. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm happy with me. I mean, but when you're in the limelight like that, I know. You can't yeah, I totally understand it. I'm not against it, but I totally No, I know I mean, what I, you're saying. I'm agreeing it, with you. Yeah, I mean, it's but sad this, it's like this, that, this, but this was just kind of sad though. This instance when you delve into it and realize all the, the, the I think the movie, I these women made this movie, I, I'm pretty sure that them hating on each other, but mm. I think there was such a mutual admiration and respect, regardless sure. of sure. what was going on between them. I think that they both knew that it was us, them against the rest mm, yeah. of Hollywood at that point because men were cocksuckers. Excuse my language on that one, but they were assholes, these women. Yeah. They did horrible yeah. things to get them going. They had no respect for them. They were just beef, basically. Yeah. And that's just really what happens to people. So, I mean, I, mean I, I thought that was kind of disconcerting. It kind of makes me sad how everything kind of came to a close for these ladies. That's all. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the interesting thing about whatever happened to Baby Jane as well is that it's kind of the last of old Hollywood acting as well, because acting was, would change. Yes, absolutely. Gone, you know, if you look gone. at like the new, like if you see, if you look at what was up, what this film was up against for the Oscars. Yeah. Geraldine Page yeah. for yeah. a long, long day's journey tonight, Eugene O'Neill play. We have um, Anne Bancroft for The Miracle Worker. Oh, I know. Ed that Sullivan. which was also a very excellent movie in its own right. That's one of my favorite movies, too. That that was just remarkable. David, well, David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia. And as you see, oh, wow. this is a new act. And, and these are all people coming from the new acting school where it's all more yeah. realistic. It's not as stagey. And The new wave so, was on the way. Yeah. Right. And, well, I and, mean, did you see what was up for the Oscars? You know, don't look up from Netflix was on the Oscar list. I mean, it just stuff, it makes me, Ill. I know I, I have not turned on the Oscars in maybe 10 years. No. Can't do it. Yeah. But like in 1962, this is where acting started changing. It started going from studio to a more naturalist. The Marlon Brando way of acting was coming through yes. at this time. And I'm and still so, trying to figure out if Marlon Brando was gay or not. I keep reading all this. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando was any sexual. If it moved, he was on any sex. Is that basically okay? So he was like, it, he was just into anything to have sex. He basically. had sex with Richard. He had sex with Richard Pryor. Oh no! Really? Yeah, yeah. He had I would like to have been a fly on the wall for that one. 
No, I mean the thing. But the thing is, I mean, it, he it's it, it's his it's his it's his, it's his autobiography. That he's telling it. It's not, it's I didn't know that. Yeah. It all comes from I had him, a conversation you know? with somebody, and they kept trying to tell me that I go, Marlon Brando was not gay. I go, I don't think he was gay. I don't think James he was overtly Dean. gay as a choice. Maybe he just liked to have sex with everybody. Who knows? Well, James <laughs> Dean was a human ashtray. Yeah. He liked people to put his put their cigarettes out on him. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I did read that. I felt what? bad for him. He also had a tragic back story. Yeah, but a lot of these guys were gay. In fact, at least Hollywood protected them back then. You know. Well, they protected them to a point, unless they, unless until I mean, the thing is, you know, like if you look at Tab Hunter, Tab Hunter was yeah. protected. He was gay, but a bigger star got in a problem that basically they had to protect this bigger star. So yeah. they basically sold out Tap Hunter being gay. Right, right. So they ruined his career to, to protect this other person's career. Oh. Who was it? So Tyra really Power would... Tyra Power, was it? I Errol, Errol Flynn was the one that, the, um, because of the, all the stuff that he was up to. Well, Errol Flynn people... was just a red hot mess, though. If you read any of his mm -hmm. biographical materials, he, that guy, God. I mean... But another thing is, you're only as good as your last box office hit. There you right. go. That's right. Like we said, you know, I tell yeah, you, and, and, and they're not, nobody forgets either. And they're not very forgiving. What's that, David? I was just saying, uh, Craig, I think he had an affair with Paul Newman. I think James Dean, if I'm right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, well, James Dean was gay, I believe. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if he was gay. I think he just, I think he just was, maybe? I would say Thursday he was sexually free. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the time to do it, I guess. You know, I mean, the thing is, I think when it, I, I, I think it's kind of weird when it comes to sexuality that, like, would is Marlon Brando bisexual? I don't, would, I don't know. He loved women a lot, though. But yeah. just because, you know, I just think, I just think, I, I would say he's more by more sexually free. That's yeah. like Cary Grant. I, I didn't know Cary Grant was gay, and that he was in love. And I don't even know who is that person, Vicky. And he had, he had his, uh, he, <laughs> he Grant. His, his actor oh, yeah. friend, you know, and they protected them like, like crazy. Yeah. You didn't even know. Well, they were gay. making, but they were making money for the studio, weren't they? They were That's box true. office hits. They probably would so. throw anybody to the, the wolves after. Because Cary, Cary Grant was living with Rory Calhoun for Motel Hell. That's who. The, right. That's who the other guy is. Yeah, so. I, I, sorry to go, go back to the movie, but I like because in one part of the movie, the mom is exp explaining all what happened in the accident, and then the pianist said, oh, "Well, wh why they, the the press never released that this thing this thing happened?" He said, "I don't know. The the studio covered it all up." Uh huh. Blame, uh -huh. Yeah. Blame, and that's and why it happens today. I mean, it does. It does. There is a, I mean, it doesn't happen as much today, but it still does happen at times. That What's that? Where, where studio or films, like if you got a film coming out, and let's just say that something, something controversial comes out, right. they tend to, you know, unless it's, they tend to do try, try to squash the story as much as possible. Right. The thing these days is harder because with technology, you know, it's easy to, you post a video, then it's in the media, and how, how do you, can argue against that is something that you well the media is far much more cruel and and far less uh transparent than it used to be i mean you can't even trust a word i feel i, I feel bad for anybody in the public guy now that's the deal with well, our present media yeah but that's that's because that's because the media from uh, what happened in 1990s that's when this all happened because what happened was is that jay simpson 
Well, what, <laughs> no, what it, actually, it actually happened just before that, because what happened is, is that in the 80s and backwards that um, the news was just factual news. Right. Then what happened is, is that they were being bought out by these corporations, which all that sounds like now that they're owned by corporations, we need to make money. Yeah. So what we need to do is we started sensationalizing things. And that's when you got OJ Simpson, the Amy Fisher. The common denominator like, you can be. Yeah. The, Men the Mendez brothers. And yeah. then what happened is then cable came along. And then what yeah. happened is newspaper became free. So then what, then we got changed to opinion news. The Gulf War so is what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. That, that's what CNN was, the little station that could. Well, that's what CNN was an actual news outlet. Yeah, but, what but, but, but what, what would happen is, is that basically what we happen is that now we got like multiple news stations and they're, they're complying. And basically what we need is that they need to make money because it's all about advertising dollars. So what we're going to do is we're going to dress people up and call them experts. So we have opinion news now. <laughs> Yes, and then and then uh, if you notice at that same time that, that was going on, what, going. <laughs> but at but the same time, what what do you think was happening with your newspapers? Exactly. Right. All of a sudden, your newspaper columns that were being written by people, you're now seeing their pictures. Right. Who's yeah. writing your column now? This is who's writing column, and it's all opinion news. Because what happens is that you realize that opinion news happens now in England. I'll take England for instance, because I know more about what's going on here than what's happened in the right. states. But the people who were telling you about Brexit here in this country, whether they're pro or against it, the same people became immunologists during COVID. The same people <laughs> they didn't even change <laughs> their clothes. Or the great legal minds of today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's another and, thing. Uh, and the thing is, is the, and, you know, and now because, you know, because of the internet and everything like this, what you get with news is that basically, let's, I'll take the metro here. You pick <laughs> up the metro, it goes, seven people died in windstorm. And yeah. then when you read the column, it says seven people could have died in the windstorm. It's not, yeah. you know, and because all people are reading are headlines. They're not reading the actual stories no. anymore either. So because everyone's in competition with each other. And the thing is, you need more clicks. You need more people to watching. You need this. You need that. And the longer you keep people in fear, people are attracted to fear and scare stories. And that's what right. keeps them watching. That's right. That's right. That's right, Keith. And that's another Look thing. Look at COVID. COVID brought how can, out all it, how can you call it today's newspaper when it hasn't happened? So basically, you're just rehashing yesterday, right? So it should be yeah. a rehash of yesterday's news, not the news. I say nobody listened to them and put them all out of business. <laughs> well, I mean, I I miss the, I miss the fact that basically we are fed what we're we're what we're supposed to listen to, and we're fed what yes, we're supposed yes. to believe, and we're fed what they want us to know. But why don't you just give us the facts and let us make up our own decisions? Exactly. You know. Yeah. What a concept! I can't imagine. I really don't but, want some. some I mean, but, 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 but let's look at the nine. But let's look at the nine. But to be honest, it started in the nineties when they sit there and said there was a pedophile in every fucking corner. There's not a pedophile in every corner. No, ninety-eight percent of all pedophiles are people that you know or friends of the family or a family yeah, member. Exactly. As far as stranger danger is concerned, that hardly ever happens. But what do we have now? We got kids that parents won't let their kids go outside because someone's going to attack their kids. Now, what, what's the problem? Oh, we have fat children. Well, huh? eh. Well, they're watching <laughs> you know? video games and sitting there stuffing their faces with. Yeah, but why? Because the parents are. You can shove in their because, mouth. but we created, we created, we created a society of fear that we're afraid to let children play out in the street because someone's going to take them and sit them some, um, yeah. and basically. Well, really, I always give my them. mother grief about that when I'm home because seriously, we did have a serial killer walking up and down my street when I was a little girl. We didn't know he was a serial killer. Well, obviously that. you were, but obviously you weren't cute enough for him to take. So I probably wasn't. You know what it was? 
I wasn't a boy. <laughs> Hold on, if he was, what kind of serial killer was he? Was he killing cornflakes or rice crisps? <laughs> no, he was killing kids, and then they let him out of prison. And then okay. he went to Rochester and proceeded to kill 25 to 40 prostitutes. Yeah, so, yeah so he, 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 he he graduated into prostitution. <laughs> yeah, but um, but I mean, but I mean, to be honest, when we were growing up, I mean, you know, in the in the 70s and 80s, yeah, I'm aging myself now, but we <laughs> we had this pedophile who used to mop our called Chicky, and he used to mop the floor, and we all knew he was a pedophile because our parents told him about it. We all we knew we always knew who the pedophile in the neighborhood was anyway, right. and oh, God, basically yeah. we would show him we would show him our underwear, and he'd give us a quarter. So we did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's wild. He didn't touch us. He didn't touch us. Yeah, yeah. But we knew, but we knew because oh, because of what our parents told us, we yeah. knew that he would get kids quartered if they showed him. So we used to go out to him and like can, can we go can we we would show him our underwear, get our quarters, we can go buy candy. <laughs> we knew what we were doing. I got a you know what? We could do we could do a like a like a small, what do you call it? A small scientific anthropological study. I got a high school out back. I could ask all the guys when they're doing football if I could see their underwear for a quarter and see how much money I get. But I'll probably go to jail. <laughs> no, <laughs> you'll just be labeled to, a cougar. Uh, Vicky the cougar. You <laughs> always go down to Primal. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> but you know, but I mean, but that but that's media now. And and the problem the problem basically is as Frederick Nietzsche said, if you keep the people in fear, you can control them better. Well, at least back then that's though, right. they did protect the actors. Today, nobody protects them at all, though, if you notice. But at the same time, the media is not protecting us either. So at the same time, but at the same time, we're guilty of it because we're we're letting all this happen. So yeah. yeah. I just felt problem. sorry, particularly after starting to watch that series and then started to read about what went on with Joan Crawford and, and Olivia de Havilland and the rest of them. I mean, you know, Kim Novak, all these older stars and stuff back in the day. I mean, they just Olivia, got Olivia de Havilland was 42 rainbow. years old. Olivia de Havilland was 42 years old when she retired because no one was hiring her anymore. No, she started getting film here and there. She was, a, she was, I guess she had quite a potty mouth back in the day. Well, like she me. had that great big feud with her own. Well, that feud with her sister was all brought Joan up. Joan Fontaine, media. right? Yeah. Are these two actresses dead now? Yes. Yeah, so Olivia well, de Havilland lived to be a hundred and three yeah. or hundred four. She died last year. Yeah. She, I don't remember when Joan Crawford died. I do she know died that in Joan Crawford. Seventy-seven. Yeah, and then you had those books that came out about Joan Crawford, like Mommy Dearest. Those in great children <laughs> wrote that book about their mom. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I probably she was strict. I mean, she says she was strict in her biography. So, well, her parents were strict with her. So, yeah. I mean, look at Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, when she came out as Helena Cassidy in a general hospital back in 1982, that was all the buzz. Oh my God, Elizabeth Taylor's on GH today. You know, that's when the Cassidy started. I mean, they all, I mean, look at Joan Crawford. She's her daughter got appendicitis and she went and did her role and she was older than. Christina's roles would have been on the soap opera. So, yeah. I mean, Crawford was really, what was the word? She's like a sharp, you know, she just sought out parts, you know? Well, I mean, look at Betty Davis. I mean, Betty Davis was doing Perry Mason and stuff like that. Yeah. And we're talking about, we're talking about an Academy Award actress and she's doing it just so she can, just so she can keep the lights on. 
She's doing it just to keep the lights on because she couldn't afford to eat. People invest back then, though. What happened with all this money? Was it the lifestyle? You know, I mean, you got to wonder. Well, to be honest, it's like, you know, nowadays there's a, I mean, there's a ways, there's different ways to make money. And if you notice now that a lot of stars are able to invest, whether there's a pro perfume line or whatever. But another thing is that, you know, they get royalties for every time their films are shown on television now. Right. That wasn't in their contract. Television wasn't part of their contracts. Well, well, so but, well, in this particular film, though, that's how Blanche starts out. She's watching her film, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but Blanche would have not made any money watching watch that yeah. film being put on TV because that wouldn't be part of the contract. They have residuals now. Residuals. You know, so there wasn't no royalty checks when things were on TV back then. No, because there because when they were doing the films, there was no television. Yeah, true. true. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I guess you know that became a new medium, and and as we saw with DVD, when the films went to DVD or to video, they they weren't getting any money. It's only when Peggy Lee. In 1990, took Disney to court and said, "I want residuals from Lady and the Tramp." That now it became a thing that they could start backdating that video so that they would make money off that, so the actors in the productions could make money off what they did. Right. But up until 1990, something that movie theaters, every time they released a movie on DVD or video, well, video beta or VHS, yeah. none of that money went to the directors or the actors. It just went to the, the studio. Yeah. Every time a movie, every time, every time he saw a Vincent Price movie on TV, Vincent Price wasn't getting paid for that. The movie yeah. studio was getting paid for it, but Vincent Price wasn't. That's the reason why that they were always hustling and making always on TV and doing TV talk shows. And because that's where their money was, which yeah. is not the same as making the money that they were making on films. Wow. You know, Barbara Merrill paid, played a, uh, the neighbor's daughter next door. That was Betty Great, but Betty Grable, uh, Betty uh, Davis's daughter, daughter in real life. And you know, when you think about that, her acting wasn't that good because I thought before I even knew about any of that, when I was watching um, whatever happened to Baby Jane, I'm going, God, we're going to all this glorious acting, and I go, What's wrong with the daughter? She just doesn't have no, no, oomph. there's just nothing there. It's just like recited lines. And now I know why, because she was not an actress and they just threw her in there. Do you want to hear something interesting, though? I was watching this. Joan Collins has done a documentary about her life. Right. And then when she went to Hollywood, she did a film with Betty Davis. And Betty Davis hated younger actresses and would not yeah. talk to them. And they well, were so not allowed Joe to talk Crawford. to her. And, and whenever and ever, whenever they would talk to her, she'd be like, who the hell are you? Who the hell taught you how to act? And she would just be, she'd just be horrible to her. And and she said that when they did a night of a hundred stars, they were all the stars together and Joan Crawford, I mean, Joan Crawford, I mean, Betty Davis is there and Joan Collins saw her again, like 20 years after she did this movie with her. She said there goes, oh, I see you're still around. Surprising, considering what you are. <laughs> you know and i mean but but this is betty davis but she was caustic i mean yeah. but i think she had to be because if she wasn't she probably wouldn't have gotten as far as she got well, you had to fight for everything especially when mm. you started getting a little what they say long in the tooth i guess at 30 i mean your career is just practically over i mean well women... think of it well think of this way when marilyn monroe was on the scene yeah that was that was joan crawford in 1930, yeah, Marilyn Monroe in 1960, yeah. Well, do you see her? She goes, "I never showed my bust like that. Their boobs are everywhere, you know." I mean, it was a different world for them because they they were beautifully, you know, or glamour goddesses. 
But then you did have, you know, more skin come out in the 60s. But you also have to remember also that when it came to publicity up until like the 1970s, the reason why everyone looked beautiful all the time is because the photographs were controlled. Right. There was no paparazzi hanging out just catching them as they're leaving a nightclub. That's was true. There? That's you true. never see any pictures of these stars at that time. They're always so well yeah, pictured. That is true. That is well true. lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No bad selfies here. So, <laughs> Did you yeah. guys think this was more, did you guys, would you consider this a horror genre movie? Would you consider it a B movie? No, no psychological drama. Would you consider yeah. it a B movie? No. I wouldn't uh, either. I they kept calling so. it a B movie. I don't know why. I think it's because they're called they this was the raise of um psycho biddies films. Right. Yeah. This would start off like Lady in the Cage, Who's Lou Auntie yeah, Rue, What's the Matter with Aunt Helen, all the yeah. um Die Die My Darling, all these films are coming out yeah. with these old old movie actresses coming out of the yes. woodwork and doing these films for cheap money. Yeah. Straight yeah. jacket. Yeah. Another one with Joan Crawford with the axe. Did you, did well, you notice it too, like it? Psycho was the first of them to come out, right? Out of, out well, of Psych Psy yeah, Psycho was the first was the first major Hollywood horror that did fantastic business. Yeah. Um, but this is the first um psycho biddy. They're called psycho right. This is the birth of the psycho biddy. Hush Hush Street Charlotte, which we'll be covering next month, is considered a psycho bitty, where you take old Hollywood actresses who are made up to look really grotesque and become these psychopathic killers. Or they just kind of recycle these people. I guess that what that it seems like they want their talent and they want their name draw, but they don't give them any respect. There's a lot of them. Um, did you notice in the movie that there were a lot of them, um, like sort of uh, very very sort of big close-ups and there's a lot of eye movement you know especially with betty and joan and yeah it's really cool the way they use mm. the face gosh you know I, I don't know how these people do it they must memorize it was like she was wearing yeah. a mask yeah with the white makeup and the little oh, heart yeah yeah well another thing i mean another thing but another thing you have to know about joan crawford is that she started in silent films right and that was all about face right she had you had no voice yeah, right. exactly. so it was all about the face. So you had to express yourself through the the, the visual. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, because oh. yeah, there's no, you had no lines. Did she yeah. start in silent film? Yep, starting silent film. That's right. She does. She does talk about it in her biographies. Yeah. yeah. When did when did when did the talkies really start, Keith? Was it like late thirties? Nineteen thirty. When was? Um, I think not by nineteen thirty they they. They were going. We're I think definitely 1920... on, on the ride. I think yeah, not. Yeah. I think 1928 was what the jazz singer with Al Jolson yeah, or something right. like that. Somewhere yeah. in like just before just before the depression. Right. With right. The, this, but it was like, you know, silent film. But we got some singing sequences going on here. Yeah. It's kind of like that. But it wasn't like the whole film was. You're right. Silent. The jazz singer was one of the first ones in 1927. 27. 27. Okay. Gosh. And and you got to remember that would have been a new. It would have been a new thing, new so yeah. that would mean that the you know, very first, get... the very first was a gangster melodrama called "The Lights of New York." Okay. And what year was that? Nineteen twenty-seven. So by nineteen twenty-seven, what you have is you have the sound thing. So oh, that's wait, nineteen twenty-eight. I'm sorry, because of the, the success of the jazz singer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's gonna be nineteen twenty-eight. So you got a film now that basically is in a new media. That you're not going to be able to open everywhere because what you're going to have to do if you're going to put sound in that means you're going to, have to go to every single movie house around the country and start putting sound in 
Okay. But this so, one did actually open up in 400 different springs. So that was something to behold well, back then. Yeah. Well, it's whatever been, happened to Baby Jane or yeah. those. Oh, no. We're talking about before Silent Movie. Sound. And so by the time that you're able to do that, you're probably looking at um, sound films going across country probably in about 1930, 31. Right. Because it would take about three or four years to start outfitting all these theater houses with sound yeah, because they didn't have that before. Sound. Yeah, exactly. All they had was a piano. They had a piano player, that you, piano a live player, piano player that would yeah. play the piano. Oh, that's right. They had the piano player down on the bottom. That would play I was just doing <laughs> I actually yeah. like silent film. It's really, I think they're kind of fun, actually. Oh, like yeah. My favorite, my very favorite silent film is uh, Nosferatu. I oh, just, I, I, especially the redigitized one. I mean, if it's on, I'll watch it. Just because Mo I just think it's just glorious and how they did, filmed it. Well, did you see the cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Oh, that's brilliant. It's not a film. Yeah. I have not seen that one. German that's... German expressionism at its best. Yes. It's like... yes, that's very cute. That's right. The German were kind of ahead of themselves anyway. Well ahead. And they yeah. weren't afraid to take a risk. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. It's funny. Well, we're about... going to be cover later on this year, we're covering the German film M by Fritz Lang. Oh, brilliant. About a, a child murderer. Yeah. With, uh, oh, that was Peter a little Lord. controversial if I remember correctly. And it, Metropolis it's Peter, Lord, it's, it's Peter Laurie's first film. Wow. Wow. Birth of a Nation, that was pretty again. wild. That was a good one too. I, I watched yeah. um, I watched Metropolis last year, Keith, you know. It was just great to see it again. Like, you know, <laughs> another Fritz Lang. And Fritz oh, Lang yeah. gave birth to film noir. Yeah. He did. Fritz Lang is just something else, man. He's great. Uh, you know? Moreau, I need Fritz. to read more about him. He's kind of a fascinating person. Yeah. It's, it's all it's all it's all about shadowing and shadows isn't it exactly shadows but isn't it beautiful though i mean you've got all the cgi but i know everybody kids want cgi i actually got asher to watch a black and white with me oh was it the the secret garden he actually watched it because when you go yeah. in the secret garden it's color but i mean it was interesting even to a nine-year-old but um but there's just something about him he just i don't know yeah. if they're mesmerizing i guess Maybe they actually try to engage your imagination, so you have possibly because CGI you know, is like a dime a dozen now. Well, it's just, it just does it all for you. So yeah, it's just having a, a brain. You know? Well, another thing with black and white is that it all has to be filmed a special way. The lights have to be brighter. The makeup has to be slightly different. I mean, what they didn't show here um, in in the feud, which is how they would film this, is that. Their makeup that they're putting on is not your natural makeup. It has no. to be kind of grayish. It's like a gray. Right. So when you, so if you watch a black and white yeah, film being yeah, filmed yeah. or anything like that, they're actually wearing gray makeup to make their really? face show up. Right. So I remember um, Millie, who I work with, she said that she was coming to work and she saw um, the lead singer from M People was recording her video and she had all this gray makeup on. She goes, why is that? I go, I go, the video, I go, the video must be coming out in black and white. She goes, why would she have to be gray video? Because she has dark skin and they need to make sure it shows, but they got to make sure right. she shows as um, as a black person. So they have to gray her. So make right. it show on black and white film. And right. you had to have, so you had to, so when you're doing this kind of stuff for black and white, you have to think of all this. Yeah. Same thing like with EastEnders, when EastEnders, when BBC went to high definition, right. they had to change the set and change the way everyone's makeup was done because now it's high definition. So you can right. see things now that you couldn't see before. So they had to buy all the new sets. They had to build new this, new makeup, yeah, and everything. Ultra like that. high definition. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, they don't make them like this anymore. I thought. I just they 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 jumped through a lot. I mean, it, what 
it was quite a bit, it was the big deal to these women though, to have this movie made because they did not want to go away quietly. They, they still wanted to act, you know, and I just, it was well, just, Another thing that's quite amazing about this film is that basically it can make a fantastic stage show because it's only there's only five Not people much. in the film. There's only five people in the yeah. film. I wonder why somebody must have done that, surely, back in the day. You know, maybe I bet you, I bet you that it's out there. It has been done somewhere. Yeah. I'll be probably very done, but probably done like probably done as a drag act. I imagine. <laughs> hey, yeah, <laughs> Did you hear Betty Davis? She goes, well, she goes. I didn't know I was that popular. She goes, you know, you're popular when they start doing you as a drag queen yeah. at a show. So she goes, like, then you know you've made the big time. Yeah, like Judy. Oh, you know. Yeah. Uh, Judy. Hello, Daddy. I just love how she says it. Hello, Daddy. <laughs> they were I just, mean, they were brilliant. You don't get actresses like that ever. I don't care what they, if you want to see, if you want to see Joan Crawford in her heyday, where we do it, when we do our make remake in October, we'll be doing The Women which is one of her right. biggest roles with um, like all the great Hollywood stars to the, yeah, all the great Hollywood stars of the 36. Right. Um, it's a George Cooker film. All adult, every, every person in the film is female. Even the animals are female. <laughs> it's all female. Is okay. there a reason um, for that? Um, basically it's called the women. Oh, okay. I didn't know the animals were involved. But George Cooker was a big gay director. He was one of the oh, biggest American okay, directors, okay, but he was a gay sure. director. Okay. And he thought that if everything's going to, this is a female movie about female actresses with no males, so we might as well make sure everything's female. Make sure everything's female. <laughs> um, gotcha. And then, um, but if you, so I say that's probably one of the best ones to watch with Joan Crawford because it's a lot of fun and to tell us what kind of roles that she's playing. Betty mm. Davis, if you want to see Betty Davis, one of her ultimate roles, mm. you have to see All About Eve. Oh, God, yes. You know, so if you want the essence of these two actresses in their heyday at their best, they're probably the, or Mildred Pierce with Joan Crawford, Mildred another Pierce. great one. Yeah. So they're the two. I mean, they're the films that you want to see if you want to know why yeah. Joan Crawford and Betty Davis were fantastic so, and and are are icons today. Yeah. Yeah. I still think much, Olivia De Havilland and Joan Fontaine is my favorite feud. <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> they were sisters. Oh. I mean, the only to be honest though, Olivia De Havilland. I mean, I love Lady in a Cage. Yeah. I love Lady in a Cage. It's such a camp classic. But Olivia De Havilland. I mean, to be honest, the only thing I really know her from is Gone with the Wind. Yeah, she was in um, quite a few movies. Well, I know she was in Robin Hood. I can't remember every movie she was in. But no, she like? I, I know she did one of those airport movies as well. Is she one of those yeah. airport movies? <laughs> I don't know. I keep you know, getting confused with Claudette yeah. Colbert. I thought I was thinking drums along the Mohawk, but that was Claudette Colbert. Yeah. So. Oh. But but it's funny about Betty Davis or Joan Crawford. I mean, the thing is, is that their movies are long and listless, and you can you can name quite a few of their films anyway. I mean, All yes. About Eve, Dark Voyage, or you know, oh, Old About Eve. I mean, some of the best Hammer films are the ones that Betty Davis did, The Nanny. Uh -huh. Yeah, bloody fantastic film, or her film that she did called The Anniversary. She's just she scary done. looking. You know, horror could have been her second calling. Seriously, she's <laughs> really good at it. Must be she did it. Well, the last the last film that she did was a horror film, and she died in the middle of making it, which what was, was uh, the Evil Stepmother, which was a Roger Corman film. Oh, brilliant! But I remember that. But one. before that. She was in an Oscar-winning film called *The Whales of August* with Lillian Gish and Vincent Price, which is all their last films. Yeah. Did you guys think that she looked like a scary Mary Pickford in this movie, though? 
like a really scary Mary Pickford. She did. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, th I think, but I think the reason why she went that way is because Baby Jane's heyday would have been during the silent films Bill. of Mary Pickford during mary pickford's period as well wasn't it like the yeah. ringlets and the, the, the white dress the and, and the bow and the, 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 yeah. the very sharp eyebrows the yeah. eyebrows yeah. Yeah. yeah now yeah. did anyone see the remake with um vanessa yeah. redgrave and lynn redgrave who are Do actually i need to watch it well it's interesting it, it takes place it takes place in a more 80s what's fantastic about amy Steele from uh, friday the 13th part two's in it what yeah. Yeah, she plays the next door neighbor. Amy Steele's in it. Yeah, hmm. but it's it's in, it's interesting. But and there, John Glover's in it as well. He's a brilliant actor as well. There's some great people in it. Um, and Lynn Redgrave and Van Vanessa Redgrave are two of our great English actresses. Anyway, yes, yes and, they you know, are. And, and here we are talking about two sisters. One who's more like Georgie girl kind of an actress, and then, right, then there's Vanessa right. who's more of the you know, Serious. Shakespearean. Yeah. Well, it's more of the Shakespearean one. So the you know, watching them act together. It's definitely more thespian. But but it's but it's quite fun watching them too. So it's interesting from that point Not of view. But Actually, the movie does the movie does suit better this time period that the that the original's in. Right. Well, well some matter, things so. don't translate well into whatever time frame you're in, but I I still think that you can't I think these black and whites go in anything. I, I don't think that I think they're timeless. I always have. So. What I guess we should do is let's rate whatever happened to Baby Jane. And starting with you, Leandro, how many stars do you give whatever happened to Baby Jane? Uh, four of the five. Why? I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you did not give it a five, Leandro. I can hear. How it can you be? How can you be a homosexual and give us a five star? <laughs> 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 take oh, it away. I'm, I'm taking away your alphabet people card. Give me back your rainbow flag. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. I can understand that. So four. Uh, no, uh, four out of five because the only thing I, I would criticize about the movie is that for me it was a bit long. But as I said before, taking consideration <laughs> all the things that that they want to tell you. It would have been impossible so you understand how was everything. Um, I really like, um, um, well, I'm really bad with names. What's the name of the lady, the blonde one? Betty Grable. Betty Grable. Betty Davis. Betty Davis, yeah. She was really, really good. Um, I don't know. I, I Sorry, I like all the topics that, that they, they, put in one movie right. if you kind of as we did now like we you start to kind of like chop the movie in different parts you will see that you, you can get a tons of right. different things about i don't know about could be about fame about hollywood about how they exploit uh, children about uh, right. homosexuality and you're right it things. does have all that in it you're 100 yes. correct yeah and it's like it how, how they put it it's not that they put it just for 
the sake of putting something extra to call the attention. Plus, if, if we think it was 1962, it was really uh, good how they how they make it, how, how they put it, right? They didn't like, I don't know, went all over one topic. We're not uh, in a different ways. They put a lot of things. So I think that was really, really clever. So that's why. My they did. Now that I think about it, that was a good way to compartmentalize it because that, that that's a really good point, Leandro. They did have a little bit of it, everything in it yeah. that we, we still deal with today. So yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. What about you, Craig? What do you? How many stars do you give it? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it five stars. Um, I love. Yeah, you get to keep your gay card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the whole the, gro the grotesque makeup. Yeah. Um, the the the, the makeup was amazing. Yes. The, the the villa. I love the villa. Not the the the, 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 the house mansion, yeah, mansion the, that yeah. they were staying in. I thought it was brilliant. Yes. I, I, um. The technical expertise that went into filming it when I saw the documentary, it's the I think it's the oldest footage that I've seen of a making of before, mm -hmm. which was really nice to see. And um, even some of the panning shots, they had to actually build scaffolds to come up. Like nowadays, you'd use a drone, but yeah, it was like rope on you know cameras on ropes and things like that. Um, and also, um. It shows that beauty isn't always like skin deep sort mm. of thing. The whole um, psychology behind the the, fe the feudal sisters, um, the ancestral feud between the the actresses, and then I, I didn't cotton on that she she ran over the doll and not the sister in the end, and that kind of shocked me. And I thought, yeah. God, is this is this like the very first idea for Chucky? <laughs> yeah. <And then> <laughs> And doll, I, I think those, I think dolls are creepy anyway. Creepy. And then I was thinking, did Stephen King get ideas for Misery when um, she was? Oh yeah, I bet you. I bet you. Her hands were tied up like that. Yeah. I thought that's got to yeah. be. Do you know, when 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 appeared the sorry, great Craig, the part of the the bird, I just exactly thought about you know that movie that that uh, I can't remember the name. Glenn Close, cook a uh, uh, oh, rabbit. rabbit. Fatal attraction. Fatal attraction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because she cooked the kids' yeah. rabbits. When she boiled the rabbits, what she did. That's so bitchy. <laughs> that was brilliant bitchy, though. I mean, Very that good. was cool. Yeah. yeah it, That's it, one it, of my favorite scenes, actually. <laughs> then again, I love, I'm a weirdo. I love, I love the whole psychosis at the end on the beach. That oh, was yeah. such a surreal... Yeah. Yeah, weird yeah. situation to be in that she wanted an ice cream. My sister's Hello. dying. Jane, I'm Thank dying. I'm awesome. going to buy you an ice cream. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh my god. Oh my god. It was you like know, they had to actually film that in on the stage because Joan Crawford refused to look old. Isn't that what happened, Keith? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they had to do the sand thing. A lot of it was out there, but they, they did not like, you know, how she did not look decrepit enough. Joan Crawford, because she kept coming out looking younger. She kept <laughs> pulling her skin back. <laughs> they had to do it again. So yeah, that's that's yeah, good I'm, point. What, yeah. what about you, David? Uh, what we, I, what think, would you give out of five? Definitely five out of five because it's one of my faves. You know, yeah, I've, I've loved this because movie because he wants to keep his card. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that one of the longest introductions before the, the titles actually started? was really clever. I don't think it's been done before where yeah. it showed you, well, you know, it starts with a, a little it's girl. It's 20 on the stage. minutes for the main yeah. actresses. Exactly. And then it comes in 
it's only when that you see the broken doll that the movie so you know comes in with that great sort of whatever happened to baby jane and um just uh, but then again like, like we talked about before like the, the using the eyes you know as keith was saying like the silent movie actresses right. well, yeah absolutely yeah. so dialogue wasn't really an issue so that had to be very visual but um it's a shame they didn't expand a bit on the uh uh, Edwin part because I thought he was quite good. He seemed. I to get... really enjoyed him too. Yeah. I, for a second, I don't know why I kept getting confused with Peter Ustinov for a minute. I well, Victor B- Victor Buno, yeah, Victor Buno from our generation. Yeah, Batman the TV series, the original yeah, King Batman. Tut. King Tut. Yeah. King Tut. Hey, that's right. I thought I saw him somewhere. That's yeah. where I seen him. That was King Tut in the original. And. And beneath the Planet of the Apes, he's the one leading the the white the um he's no uh, um beneath the Planet of the Apes, he's one of the people who take their mask off and do that weird chiming thing with the yeah, atomic right. bomb. He's in that <laughs> oh yeah, it was him. Was he's been him? in a few yeah a few movies, you know. He's um, oh. but I think that it should have expanded a bit more on that. Then again, you've only got, <laughs> got a certain amount of time, I guess. But uh, the the movie well, was I didn't realize it was that long because it didn't seem that long, you know. Well, in the book, in the book, Edwin, when he finds out and sees um, Blanche in the book, he runs out. Blanche gets in her car and she she runs him down where he falls down the cliffside. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And then then that's why that's why the cops are looking for them because you know he survived. Yes. <laughs> so which is not in the book. So he kind of just does, kind of just runs down the street sort of thing in the in the movie. So. But um, and what about, <laughs> what about yourself, Vix? How many stars do you give it? Oh God, definitely five. Yay. I loved it. I, I just, I, I like the cinematography of it. I love, I mean, it, I appreciated it a whole lot more knowing the, the, what was going on behind yes. the scenes because it made so much sense to what actually was transpiring on screen because it, it had so much to do with what was going on off screen. But I just love seeing these, these two powerhouses, you know, yeah. get together finally. You know, and they made a film together. I wish there yeah. could have been more, actually, that could have happened with these two ladies. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's it's definitely a classic. It's always a must-watch. It's definitely a staple. It's and definitely, it's nice to watch it before Friday Hush, night. Hush, Sweet Charlotte. <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. kind of one you come back in from the pub on a Friday night. It's just a, it's just a <laughs> warm, fuzzy movie that makes yeah. you feel good about yourself, you know? All the Roger Coleman movies, all stuff like this. It's just it's a great way to end a Friday night or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, like I said, I was kind of confused as to put it in the horror genre. It's like it's a psychological thriller. I guess it could be horror. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. they're definitely, Betty Davis is definitely scary looking. <laughs> There's just, no, that makeup is just horrendous, but it <laughs> works. And it took works. about the balls it took, you know, to, to be ugly yeah. like that for the camera. Yeah. So yeah, it's absolutely, it's, a, it's definitely one of the best films. Definitely. I am going to give it a five-star rating only because Ooh. it's a Hollywood classic. Um, you know, before, before I quite, I liked it. But I think yeah. from reading the book and then watching the film, I actually had to give it. I probably would have given it four if I hadn't read the book and then seen the movie because I, I quite liked it. Help. But mm. uh, but my favorite movie is the one that we're doing next month is Hush Hush for Charlotte. I always write that yeah. better than this one. I haven't I haven't watched that in decades. So <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean Agnes Moorhead. Whoa, fantastic! She won an Oscar for it. But um, but yeah, and and it has the two old women from um the Waltons in it as well. 
Yeah, the Emily just, sisters. The Baldwin sisters are in it as well. But but um but for you know, but after reading the book and watching the film, I have more of an appreciation for it. And our listeners out there, if you're gonna be listening to Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte and you're gonna revisit this movie, I suggest you watch the feud as well because it oh, does God, make the movie, yes. it gives the makes the movie even more substance than what you the guys get a chance, already. watch the feud. I'm okay, I'm so fine. I mean, I I'm just I, I, I watched four episodes. This, I watched four episodes last night and watched four episodes this morning and just. I thought for sure it. I was going to binge it before you. <laughs> what's that? What's that one? The, binge. the feud. It's called the, the, feud. Feud. the feud. It's on Hulu here, which is Disney. Okay. And Disney and it's oh, on yeah, Disney Plus it. here. Cool. It's on Disney Plus. Watch the feud. It dude. is really it's, good, guys. It's, it's with Jessica Lange playing Joan Crawford and Susan Sarandon, Sarandon playing Betty Davis. Oh, brilliant! And Catherine Catherine Zia Jones playing Olivia De Havilland. Yeah, and um, Jane Alexander's playing Hedda Hopper. So, and Hedda Hopper um, was such a twat back then. Oh my God, she was a troublemaker. Well, that well, that's how she. But that's how she. But that's how she made her money. She's the pop. She's the paparazzi. It's pure evil, though. What she did, it was evil. Oh Oh my God. Well, that's the reason why. But but the thing is, with Hedda Hopper and those dimes, what you have to look at is that that's what that was. Her selling gossip and keeping these stars on side was her way into this arena of royalty. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't make got, it though as an actress herself. No, but she probably had a longer career than an actress did. Yes. Because she probably wasn't much of an actress. Too, yeah. The funny <laughs> thing about Hedda Harper, though, she did do she did do a cameo and she was dying. Yeah. And the and then the cameo, the last words that she's ever uttered to anyone and on screen was she says bye. And she died. <laughs> she died two hours later. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Oh, bye's pretty fitting. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite good though. Like Think a about big it. Kiss my ass or something. <laughs> somebody was saying, what would be your epitaph? And I, I somebody once told me, said, Yeah, they're gonna put on the gravestone. I told you I was sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean if you if you really if you really want to know more about Hedda Harper, I would suggest the Emmy Award winning film starring Jane Alexander and Elizabeth Taylor called Malice in Wonderland, which is about the feud between these two. Yeah, I've got to hunt that one down. That looks good. Yeah, that looks good. Hello, Hello. Hello. This brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next month, we'll be covering Henry Farrell's Whatever Happened to Cousin Charlotte and the 1965-64 film Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, starring Betty Davis, Olivia de Havilland, and Agnes Moorhead, which was supposed to star Joan Crawford, but we'll give you more of that information next yeah. month. Um, next week, we'll, we'll be starting our new season of Batman. We'll be covering the four first episodes from the Batman animated series of the 90s, which will start off with On Leather Wings and end with Pretty Poison. We will also be covering Doctor Who, which we started with episode one through four, where we covered the storyline of An Earthly Child. That will be coming your way this month. And of course, we'll be doing our remake, Make Remake, which will be covering Batman from 1989 and Batman Begins from 2014. Uh, Of course, we will be covering our two for one, which has now changed to M&M, which is Monsters and Mad Men. We'll be covering Creature from the Black Rangoon from 1964 and the Oscar winner film for 2000, um, sorry, 2020, which is The Shape of Water, directed by 
Guillermo del Toro. I thought you were trying to say Shimalayan. I remember saying that name. The shape of water. Shimalayan. Shimalayan. And nice Shimalayan. So, so, so remember, books the screen. Next next month will be Hush Street Charlotte and Whatever Happened to Cousin Charlotte. If you are looking for the short story, if you do buy the novel Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, then the actual short story for Hush Street Charlotte is included in the novel. So, and of course, next week we'll be covering Batman the Animated Series with some new co-hosts joining us. So see you next week. So it's good night for myself and good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. Wake up. Good night, David. <laughs> good night, everyone. Have a nice weekend. Good night, Leandro. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Take care. Good night, John Boy. Good night. Nice good night for night, myself. Everyone. And on our closing credits today are brought to you by Betty Davis singing Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Good night, oh, y'all. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thank you.